hey everybody this is all sports are bad i am patrick on the internet and i am jake whipple so um this is our first episode in like i don't know seven years was it something like that seven, eight years could be could have been a decade for all i know it's well you know it's the post-apocalypse or we're living a post-apocalyptic world because I'm now just talking to a robot and getting mad at a robot. <laughs> <laughs> I've been up with by a robot. The Craigbot actually left our server while we were gone during our hiatus. He just didn't want to wait around for us anymore. Craig just bounced on us for just, no reason. Well, now he's back. Thanks, Craig. Thank you, Craig. It's audio engineer. <laughs> What? Yes, we have been pulled out of semi-retirement because everyone's talking about a little documentary uh, called The Last Dance about Michael Jordan. And we noticed that a lot of people had bad takes about it, so we're here to supply you with all the correct takes. Uh, correct ones or, or more bad ones. Like, uh, who's to say, really? Like, how do you... I, I'm saying they're all objectively correct. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. So before we get into The Last Dance, which is a very, very fine piece of uh, accurate and historic <laughs> uh, work of art that uh, Ken Burns obviously loves, <laughs> uh, what, what have you been doing during your time in, in, in this quarantine, in this hell world? How have you been surviving oh, the hell world? Well, I've been cooking a lot. Um, I'm getting my... Uh fresh pasta game down um figuring out um a very solid um zucchini noodle stir fry recipe um i have switched over pretty much exclusively to drinking rolling rock because i can get a 30 rack of it for 16 bucks um yeah and then uh yeah and my patio garden has um really come into its own i have two tomato plants that i am treating like little children um because i want tomatoes in august and september that sounds pretty awesome that sounds yeah, way so more far so good way more productive than my thing of playing video games i mean i don't know it's i haven't actually gotten any tomatoes yet so we'll see who comes out with more tomatoes in the end me by actually trying to grow them or you by playing video games and it could very well end up being a tie i yeah i buy tomatoes <laughs> So that's that, that helps. <laughs> I had I had a tomato jam in my breakfast sandwich this morning. Oh, nice! It's pretty delicious, actually. Shout out to Morsel in the U District. Oh, one of my big uh, big accomplishments for this uh, for quarantining is I've one I've been very good about eating breakfast, which previously to now I've always been really shitty about. And um, in doing so, I have really fine tuned my French omelet technique. Oh yeah! I f- fuck. What show was I watching where they were making French omelets? Epicure. I was watching an Epicurious video. Another one of my favorite things is to at late night I get really really high and I watch all of like the Bon Appetit test kitchen videos and I watch all the Epicurious videos and I learn how to make stuff that I then during the day the next day decide I don't want to actually put in that much. Yeah, that makes sense. Um... <laughs> Maybe later. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe another time, but yeah, I've uh, me, I've yeah, for me, it's been a lot of cooking and uh, porch gardening. My um, pansies are taking over one of my planters, which I am both happy about and annoyed about because now I have to uh, move some violas out of it. That sounds 
sounds like a nice problem to have. It's not bad, you know. Have a large you puppy. And, and the big old puppy who's currently taking a nap on her dog bed. How's your big puppy? Uh, he is taking a nap on the floor right now. Perfect. Great dog activities all around. Yeah, he's, he's very large. He has very nice hair. His, his thick, glorious mane is just that. It is... Because well, I never had a dog... I always had a dog with fur, right? Uh, this is yeah. the first dog I've ever had with hair. Like, it's hair. It's like, I have to cut his hair. Like, yeah. if I don't cut his paw hair, then it gets too long and he slips around on the on the hardwood. <laughs> it's not good on his knees. It looks funny every time he tries to run because he's like Scooby-Doo running in place for a while and then he gets going. But it's not good on his knees, so I have to routinely clip his uh, his, his his paw hair so that it doesn't like get under his feet too much. Yeah. Well, that is an objectively hilarious problem to have, so... <laughs> he looks funny when like, he hears something he's trying to run and he's just running in place like <laughs> you do trying to run away from a ghost that's actually another dude actually another dude in a map pretending to be another dude full bore scrappy do over there he wishes he was as big as scrappy do he's, he's full on scooby at this point like, or as small as scrappy he thinks he, he thinks he's a scrappy when he's just a giant, massive dog with heavy-ass paws, and he paws my leg, and he cuts me open, and I'm like, why? Why? <laughs> he's just being playful. I'm like, ow, why? <laughs> why would you do this to me? I thought we were friends. I'm really bleeding. <laughs> uh, yeah, dogs are keeping me sane. It took, it took Anya a while to get used to the idea that I was around all the time instead of going to work, and she was definitely sort of annoyed that I was taking up her space for a minute there. <laughs> she was like happy like yeah my people my pack are together and she was now she was like hey I'm, i need my space guys uh. and there's definitely an initial phase of like why the fuck are you home go away i am supposed to be napping on the couch undisturbed dogs fucking dogs they're, they're great i love them i love them big fan yep all right, so The Last Dance, ESPN's 10-part, 10-hour Michael Jordan documentary. You keep calling it a documentary. Yeah, if, um, you know how I always do air quotes on uh, when I'm trying to record a podcast? I yeah. did the biggest air quotes of my life around a documentary for that one. Yeah, because going into this, um, after like we had reviewed our notes today, you seemed very mad about the diet. I thought it was like, I'm like, damn, Jake is like not having this documentary. <laughs> and I'm like, I just think it's basically Tiger King. Like, I... <laughs> so hold on. The thing opens in episode one, the thing opens and they immediately fat shame Jerry Krause and call him incompetent moron, small fat loser. And I'm like, wow, that's terrible. Like this is, like, <laughs> this is the direction in which this thing has started off on then obviously we're looking at a total fucking shit show of a documentary going forward oh, and it was for kind sure. of just that and like more it like really delivered on being garbage of the no, it was exactly order. what it it exactly it was exactly what it was promised to be like it's just this yeah and the kraus thing is like a really good example of that because they just start off by like finding the guy who's to blame for any and all failings like that's it it's his. It's Jerry Krause's fault that um, 
the of that the players have issues during the course of the documentary series and it's his fault that the team is broken up after the 98 season it's right. like they're just like it's jerry krause's fault he sucks he's terrible at his job he's ugly and no one likes him yeah. um which the funniest thing about that is that jerry krause was objectively very good at his job um well yeah like, well, that's fair. like like because of the the show's feature like feature like at the premiere the docuseries premiere feature is timeline weaving you go from the early 80s in the beginning of the episode where jerry Krause is considered to be a very good general manager because he drafted michael jordan and then you weave timeline weave forward into the the late 90s where they're like oh he's a piece of shit he's worthless and he hates players and doesn't appreciate actual <laughs> athletes and it's like whoa okay yeah like a lot of that stems from like he's at one point in the middle i forget which episode i think it's three two or three where he's talking about trading um pippen at some point which like he drafted pippen and then his goal was to like put like the dude's trying to put together a winning team that's his job and you cannot argue he didn't do that like he drafted the greatest player of the generation in michael jordan he drafted scotty pippen who was a great player and for that um third run or the second run of three titles he went out and got dennis rodman which these are all phenomenal things to do. And it's not it's not that crazy to think that you should be building for the post Jordan era, considering he did leave <laughs> to go be a baseball <laughs> player randomly. I wouldn't say randomly, like there are a lot of things that went into play there that like affected him emotionally, mentally, and made him want to change. But for the sake of like he didn't. No one see. No one saw it coming. So, like, right. Obviously, there is a reason to build for the post Jordan era. I mean, there. I mean, look at the Bulls after that. Right. Of course, you'd be looking to if you're 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 dumb if you don't look to the future. Right. Well, and um, not to jump ahead of the because we're going to try and go through this sort of in order by episode, but not to jump all the way ahead. But the end of the very end of the series is you know a little text crawl. And the last thing that's, I think the last thing that shows up on the screen is um, the line, after Jordan's retirement, the Bulls entered a rebuild, their rebuild, entered their rebuild or something like that. And the implication is that ever since then, they've been rebuilding, which isn't totally true and also super underhanded. Um, and also, yeah. like, Jerry Krause is dead. So, like, to sh it's, basically, they're just sh shitting on a dead guy. Um which is kind of distasteful in a number of ways. Yeah, the whole thing seemed weird right off the bat. As soon as, yeah. as, soon as I'm like, okay, I'm I, this is less a 30 for 30 documentary, which it had no affiliation with 30 for 30 other than ESPN. But it was less an actual documentary to me right off the bat and more like the real housewives or the real um, basketball players of Illinois. Yeah, that's really so, what I got out of it. This is an insane, an insane roller coaster of a television show. Yeah, it's um, it's reality television, and they're going for drama and things like that. They're not going for. Um, I think so. I'm just going to get this particular take out of the way right now. There is no. You should not look at this as a journalistic exercise. This is not a documentary. This is not a uh, real investigation or exploration of anything meaningful. It's just a thing that's supposed to blow up Michael Jordan and make him look good. And that's it's got its merits, 
but that is the baseline of what it is. It's a Michael Jordan hype machine. My favorite part in the first episode is Michael Jordan wearing his fucking beret <laughs> in Paris. <laughs> what an asshole. I love it. That's what a dickhead move. Like, who does that? Like, <laughs> it's like going to it's like going to America wearing a cowboy hat with an AK-47 strapped to your back, wearing also wearing a Joe Exotic t-shirt. Like, it, <laughs> it's that ridiculous. It's just, yeah, it's amazing, really. <laughs> Eating yeah. a cheeseburger. <laughs> a a uh, blue rare cheeseburger. Um, yeah. <laughs> Who eats a cheeseburger? Who eats a cheeseburger blue? Uh, real men, probably. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing on that. Um, yeah, but so outside of Kraus being fl- framed as the you know the villain of the series in the opening episode, the other thing they have to do is set up Michael Jordan. And they're introducing him in two ways. His um, as a younger, as a young prospect, come, like right about to come into the league, and like his first season, and then his uh, at, at the end of his career in '98. So the '98, they're talking. It's essentially this. Here's the greatest basketball player who ever lived. And the beginning of it, there's not really a lot of discussion of him developing the only thing they really talk about him as a developing player is that famous anecdote about how he didn't make his varsity team his sophomore year or something right yeah and also, uh oh go ahead go ahead no you go ahead you go ahead. oh no i was gonna segue real quick but no, 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 you go you go ahead continue yeah and then but other than that the presentation of michael is that he sort of sprung into the into jordan-ness kind of fully formed like there's not there's no indication of a struggle. You know what I mean? Um, he just sort of becomes the greatest. And it's not that he wasn't. Like, there's a lot of guys who were on his uh, rookie team who were like, after their first practice, like, he's the best. Or after two weeks, they were like, this is the best player on the team. And that very well might have been true. Probably was. I don't see why a bunch of guys would say that and not mean it. But there's just no, there's no exploration of, like, what did Jordan have to do to become Jordan? It's really more about how, like, how did Jordan... Yeah, this is going to sound weird. It's not how did Jordan become Jordan, it's how did Jordan be Jordan. Yeah. I I find I find the timeline weaving to be weird and I think a lot of people who aren't familiar, who aren't that familiar, you know, with Michael Jordan or sports in general or really are just watching right. it because it's a cultural phenomenon. It really confused a lot of people because it's like, oh, he's okay. We're in the '80s. We're in the '90s. We're in the '80s. We're in the '90s. We're in the '80s. We're in the '90s. We're at the beginning. We're at the end. We're at the beginning. We're at the end. It's like, is this Memento? Am I watching Memento mm-hmm. right now? Like, what? Is, <laughs> why am I watching a series of vignettes out of order, like a movie in the '90s? <laughs> what is yeah. happening? Is this Pulp Fiction? Yeah, and it's one like, of the things that so fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the things that does is. It doesn't. It eliminates any like chance for a question in the past of what what would Jordan become, which were real questions at the time. He was obviously great. He was fantastic his rookie year. Fantastic. There's no. This is that's not up for debate. Um, but that's doesn't. It'll. It's allowed to. It allows the uh, project to basically bypass um, any any discussion of Jordan developing as a player. Because he's you, you just see him full formed the whole time. Yeah, it's it's just weird. It's just a weird way to do it. 
And then, of course, there's the fun game of what is Michael drinking this whole time and how much of it did he drink? Because it seems like it was a lot. Yeah, those were big glass. Like, the, there, there was a great deal of ice in those glasses, um, but they were some mm-hmm. big high. Those are big highballs. They're not highballs. Those are some big old fashioned glasses. Uh, I'm just mm-hmm. assuming it's a, 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 a rye or a scotch. I think Jordan would scoff at bourbon for being too sweet. <laughs> Probably bourbon's, true. Bourbon's too soft for Michael. Bourbon Jordan. is too soft. Um, my, I've heard from um, other people that Jordan actually has an affinity for tequila, and um, it's possible that that was an extra añejo that he likes. Um, oh, okay. that, that is very expensive. So for, for him to be drinking crazy expensive, aged by aged by buried underground tequila, seems like is the sort of thing he would do for this documentary. Yeah, that's right. He does. I think he has a stake in a company too. But uh, I believe that's correct. Yeah. Tequila. So I'm, my guess is tequila, um, some sort of like tequila that us peasants and losers can't get. But <laughs> just want <laughs> just another flex in the in the list of flexes that is this TV show. I call it a TV Absolutely. show. Absolutely. I like to I don't, like calling it a docu series or a documentary is like funny because it's like not. But it's a TV show. Now I'm watching a TV show about TV Michael show. Jordan. It was good. It was a good TV show. It was a terrible documentary. I, in episode one, obviously there is the moment where he's like, I never do drugs. These guys were all doing cocaine and, and smoking weed all the time. But, oh, I couldn't do it, guys. Uh, what did you think of that? What did you think of that line? Um, I thought it was hilarious that he just like instantly like throws his entire uh, team under the bus from his rookie year and then and like just rats them out completely you know no hesitation he's just like they were all up to this shit i don't know and then later on like sort of when you get into the question of when the jordan rules came out and who sam smith's sources were suddenly he's like it's unbelievable that anyone would say anything about the inner workings of a team to anybody so in, in his <laughs> documentary about the inner workings of his team <laughs> Yeah, exactly. In the reality like, TV show about yeah. the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he opened he opens by say like throwing people under the bus and revealing information. And then after that he's like, It's completely unacceptable that anyone would do exactly that thing that I did. Unless you're talking about Scott Burrell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Scott barely oh, deserves God, Scott Burrell. Deserves nothing but bullying, apparently. At least <laughs> We're not even on the episode of like Scott, the many episodes of the legend that is Scott Burrell not having fun working with his coworker. Just so we don't, just so we don't forget that this is this man's work environment. Michael Jordan <laughs> is his coworker who bullies him every single day. Not great. It's not not fun. Um. And then they go on to Scottie Pippen. They touch on him, mm-hmm. um, and it's late 90s Scottie Pippen, obviously, because he wasn't around during the 80s when Jordan was drafted. And it's basically yeah. kind of framing him as being soft and greedy and the selfish jerk who's only looking out for Scottie. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and so there was a lot of discussion like in the take factories about you know Pippen's contract when he was... Um, you know, and and that 98 season where he had signed a long-term deal and now at that point was now massively underpaid. And there's no arguing that he was like just criminally underpaid. Um, He was worth a lot more money than he was big, than he was making. But he also 
took he also signed the deal in order to have that long-term security and i I'm not, i don't know if he got good advice or bad advice but i can't imagine that at no point did anyone say to him you know you might be leaving money on the table at the end of the deal uh, That's but the he didn't want too. yeah the scotty pippen episode where you learn about his past and like how he he, he had a rough upbringing and how like mm-hmm. yeah he he needed that money to take care of his family. He did. Early in his career, he needed to sign a, a bad, essentially a bad deal. But yeah. to, to, to ensure the security of his family, it was not a bad deal. But in, the, the, uh, so in order, to, according to the Players Union, probably a very bad deal. Yeah. No, for him, at, at the time that he signed it, it accomplished exactly the goals that I think he wanted to accomplish, which was to secure... The future for himself and his family because that wasn't something he had had you know that was that was what he was going to provide by being a professional basketball player and then of course at the end of it now that he's one of the 50 greatest players of all time and a five-time about to be six-time nba champion yeah he's not making any fucking money basically um and that had to be frustrating yeah I don't think, like, the thing is, I'm not sure anyone's at fault. I don't think Scott, it's, I don't think it's Scotty Pippen's fault. I don't think it's the Bulls' fault um, that any of this happened. It just did. Like, those were the circumstances. People, everyone involved had their reasons for acting the way that they did, and none of them were wrong. They just were. Yeah. I mean, uh, Scotty signed the deal, mm-hmm. and that later on he was unhappy with it because it, it, it's like, come on, man. You're about to win. You're about to win another title in 1998, or you just came off winning a title. Yeah. How about a little? Yeah, you could. They could have absolutely done a small rework um, and given him a little more money. But the other, like, you know, if if he had been overpaid, you know, there would have been an expectation that his contract. I'm sure he would have expected his contract to be honored and not redone it. So, you know, it's, that's a two-way street a little bit. I mean, normally, I would, of course, imme- like, Im- immediately take the side of players against owners. But in, for whatever reason, in this circumstance, just I can see everyone's reasoning behind what they're doing. And none of it seems totally out of line. At least he got paid by Houston. He did get paid by Houston. And then he, he had a to- random stint in Portland, and then he went away. <laughs> he got paid in Houston where he had to be <laughs> Charles Barkley's co <laughs> <laughs> what a horrible <laughs> what a horrible run of uh, of coworkers for poor Scotty Pippen. I don't know, it's, it's, this this in, in the Scotty Pippen episode and the most of this documentary in general despite how they're constantly trying to frame him as being soft and greedy. Yeah. Um at times I I basically have more respect for Scotty Pippen as a result of this. Yeah. I think Scotty Pippen be like be, is my favorite person in this story in a lot of ways, which is strange because he's so poorly represented by the show. Um, like he's really treat, he's really, I think treated pretty badly. Um, well, he's when- like minimalized in so many ways, like in, in his good behavior is, is minimized heavily and the good things he does are minimized heavily. And the bad, even the bad things he does when he later on teams up with Jordan to be a bully against Kukoc, um, even that he's framed as uh, the bully sidekick. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he can't even, <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> even get a fair shake even when we're trying to ad- address um, the one time he was shitty. 
Yeah, and like the thing, the thing that it's, that's happening here in my mind is that this show is as the Michael Jordan myth making machine. For the myth to like to make the myth bigger, you have to minimize the other people involved. Scottie Pippen is the most important other person, so you have like you have to sort of do some damage to Scottie Pippen, the player and the person, in order to help raise Michael up, right? Because this isn't a rising tide lifts all boats situation. It's about demonstrating that Michael was the guy who carried everything. And uh, so you, if, I, if you tear Scottie down, you uh, build Michael up. In a zero, it's a zero-sum setup. Yeah. You take away from Scottie, you give to Michael. Yes. And also in this episode two... Scotty reveals that Jerry Krause had planned on firing Phil Jackson after the 1998 season, no matter what, boom, bombshell, we all kind of knew about it. But that's supposed to be like in the storyline, this is a main bombshell that further solidifies Jerry Krause as evil. And I guess Scotty Pippen by, uh, (laughs) by just sheer, like kind of knowing that information or being told that information He's kind of a bad guy, but also like he's not because they're talking about his background. So also he's he's kind of semi redeemed at the same time. Pippin's Pippin is like given a degree of sympathy, but not it's not one that uh, they want to allow to for it's they don't want to make him too sympathetic, even though he is a sympathetic figure. So what we're getting from what you get is just enough of that side of him to like keep you invested in him while still like tearing him down. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it turns out that uh, Jerry Krause had um, some sort of degenerative brain disease that made him very, very stupid um, later on in his life, apparently. Yeah. Because <laughs> in the 80s, they're like, <laughs> he's a genius. He drafted Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. And by the 90s, they're like, this guy's dumber than dumb. <laughs> the, after, the, after winning six titles, he's clearly become a moron. Um. Ah well, and, and then, then I, yeah, and then go ahead. Oh no, go go continue. No, I was just gonna. I was just gonna skip into episode three real fast, which is Dennis Rodman. He's fascinating. He's a fascinating weirdo, and there's a thirty for thirty about him that's more in depth than episode three. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's yeah. The episode three is Dennis Rodman's thirty for thirty, um, condensed. I will say uh, one one thing that later. I didn't. Yeah, one thing I will say is that I did not realize um, prior to watching this, because I actually haven't seen the Dennis Rodman 30 for 30, but I was not aware of his level of basketball intellect um, that comes across when you hear him talking about uh, rebounding and defensive strategy and his just his awareness of who he was on the court and what he could and couldn't do. Um, like his, he's actually a really smart, basketball mind and i did not know that about him yeah because he like wasn't a scorer so he, he, it was all savvy it was all just knowing mm-hmm. where the ball was going to bounce at the right time on any given shot all the time he was literally always standing in the right place at the right time and when he wasn't he was hustling to that place it, it, yeah. it was super fascinating because even like later in his career when he was partying super hard um the drugs and alcohol probably weren't helping um, physically, but because he was so smart, he didn't really lose that much on his game because he was just, he just knew where to stand all the time, no matter what. The coolest thing in that, in this whole series, this whole show is 
there's a just a, there's something Rodman says in that interview where he starts talking about the kinds of spin his teammates put on their shots, and he knows who has what kind of spin and which way the ball is liable to bounce, which yeah. is just like galaxy brain shit. And like I mean that in the nice way, not in like the sardonic making fun of him way. Like that's he knows how his teammates' shots come off of their fingers and how it affects the bounce off the rim. And that's just, that was a really cool thing to hear him talk about. And then we're, we're of course, in episode three, um, we're introduced to the Bad Boy Pistons by by way of of Dennis Rodman and also mm-hmm. um, the Pistons run in with Michael Jordan and how essentially Isaiah Thomas, John Sally. Dennis Rodman and company, their whole goal was to beat the crap out of Michael Jordan all the time. And what really annoys me the I think what annoys me the most <laughs> is a stupid fucking grin on John Sally's face when he's describing said said uh, methods. <laughs> he just looks so pleased with himself. He's like, Jordan goes into the air and then smack, I put him down. And it's like, shut the fuck up, John Sally. God damn it. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, it's just like, and the film of it is brutal. Like, you watch how hard they're hitting him, and they are really doing damage. Like, it's vicious. Like, it's mean. Um, he just looks so pleased with himself. Everyone else <laughs> just looks normal, like they're talking about something. They're like, oh yeah, that's kind of bad, but you know, we had to do it to win a title because mm-hmm. you know we had to prove a point. And then, and then John Sally's like, the look on his face is, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hit him again today if I want to. And while, just, while it's like, I could definitely understand wanting to hit Michael Jordan, <laughs> after, <laughs> especially after watching this documentary, it just, it just seems scummy to me that he's like, he's, he's just very happy about the idea of doing it. Yeah. It's just, to this it, he still takes a great amount of pleasure in, in doing all of that. 30 years later, he's still horny for hitting Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, That's man. essentially episode three in a nutshell. It's an introduction to Dennis Rodman, the guy, the antics, um, his 30 for 30. Yeah, and as far as, uh, as, far as um, reactions to it goes, this episode produced the worst take of the entire uh, show, which was Bill Simmons ask, tr- tweeting that he doesn't know why anyone ever thought Dennis Rodman was interesting, which is just... A batshit insane thing to think. Like, that's so dumb, because Dennis Rodman is fascinating. Um, He's a professional basketball player who basically just did whatever he wanted his entire career, ended up, like, took a break in the middle of the NBA Finals to go be in a professional wrestling event, uh, married multiple celebrities, married himself at one point while wearing a wedding dress, is this just pansexual weirdo who ended up being friends with the dictator of North Korea. Like, whether or not you, of, I mean, that's not a great thing. But that's also like, but it's also, but it's it's him. It's what he, he does. Yeah. He does things that aren't great ideas sometimes. But no, but you just, can't say they're not fucking interesting. <laughs> that's a, insanity, Bill Simmons. I mean, what is, who does Bill yeah. Simmons find interesting at this point? Um, Gordon, I don't Gordon know. Hayward, Gordon Hayward, Jason probably. Hayward. Um, Michael Douglas. That's it. What is Bill Simmons like? Ben Affleck? Uh, Yeah, he likes Teen Wolf and um, Ben Affleck, I think, and the Celtics. And I think that, I'm pretty sure that's the whole list. He's actually a, he's famously a gigantic fan of the OC. 
which I don't oh, really? understand at all. But he sure. loved the OC. Interesting. That's I, funny. Uh, the OC came out when I was like exactly in the age group it was targeted at. I was like a junior or senior in high school or something. And I watched the pilot and I was like, huh, cool. And then I never watched it again. Well, 35-year-old Bill Simmons at the time was right <laughs> up the alley. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that says about him. I don't want to like go in and I don't need to make these types of remarks about his personality, even though I kind of just did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was, that's why, that's what Bill Simmons finds interesting. He doesn't find Dennis Rodman interesting, which is everyone who watched the 30 for 30 would disagree with Bill Simmons wholeheartedly. Yeah, but if or just werewolf... know anything about Dennis Rodman in general. Yeah. But if a werewolf wins the state basketball championship, Bill Simmons is there. Because there's um, no rule that a werewolf can't play <laughs> high school basketball. Uh, yeah. All right. So then we get um, into episode four, which is the first um, the first uh, series that uh, – or the first finals that Jordan wins and the first Phil Jackson year. Um, so we basically – this is like the Phil Jackson episode mostly. Um talking about his past and who he is um which is which is a weird hippie um that's who that's who phil jackson is yeah he's a weird problematic hippie um who's supposed to solve all the problems that um the bad boy pistons uh kind of exploited about the bulls um the fact that they were playing just straight up iso ball with the with uh, Michael Jordan, uh, they kind of just exploit the fact that they did. They weren't really like, I don't know, open shooters weren't just taking shots. Uh, so, so Phil Jackson's big idea was the triangle offense, which is an offense based around open shooter takes the shot. Yeah, revolutionary. Uh, so one of the the thing that this documentary. I said documentary again, but I don't mean it. Um, that it tries to sort of do with Phil Jackson is downplay the criticism levied against him, which that his big strategy has always been have the best player in the NBA on your team. Um, and it doesn't really do a very good job of that, even though they uh, really try and sell him as changing the culture and having these great ideas and like really getting everybody to play together. And, you know, ultimately he's like, hey, the best player should shoot the ball, which, yeah. you know, I don't think anyone didn't think that. I mean, maybe Russell Westbrook, but that's a different take for a different story. <laughs> a different take for a different team. And maybe, yeah, that's, there'll be more takes like that when sports comes back, I don't know, in a year. Yeah. Next, about this time next year, we'll have Russell Westbrook takes for you because he'll have done something new. Um, yeah, he's a uh, Phil Jackson. Like, I think there is something to be said for his ability to sort of manage personality. Um, like, but that's about it. He's not. He's not a basketball genius, but he is good at getting his teams to sort of do their jobs alongside each other. And there's, which is a legitimate part of coaching. He just doesn't make him some sort of strategic wizard. He's just kind of full of shit. Yeah, he's not, like, not, he's just not, not, not bad D'Antoni. at his job, not good at his okay. job. I mean, even Mike D'Antoni kind of makes sense, you know, because he thinks so far outside the box that it's stupid. But at least mm-hmm. he's like, 
actively trying to do something different, whereas Phil Jackson is framing the norm, a very normal strategy, as something um, as something extreme and outside the box and so forward thinking. When in reality, it's just it's kind of like the Joe Madden thing, where it's like. Joe Madden, people like Joe Madden because the idea uh, that he's a cool progressive coach or baseball manager, when in reality he's just a pretty good baseball manager who wears glasses and wears denim jackets. Yeah, and the has one cool funny hair, I guess, or whatever. Well, and Phil, like Phil Jackson, just his he looks so weird, especially in those really early '90s ones when he's young and you see him like wearing jeans with the shirt tucked in. His torso seems too small, and he's he's like six ten, like he's a huge guy, and he just he just he just looks funny on camera when you see him, especially when he's younger. Um, yeah, no, my my friend Alan had a joke about. Phil Jackson, because he doesn't watch a lot of basketball or sports, but he watched the docu-series TV show. And he goes, Phil Jackson looks like a guy that someone told him to square up, and then he took it literally, and his shoulders just became a square. (laughs) I thought that was a very funny joke. Shout out to Alan for that very funny joke. Yeah, that sounds... um, Yeah, I don't know. Phil Jackson's weird. I I did actually enjoy, though, seeing film of him doing... uh, yoga with the team which at the time was probably like thinking outside the box and now is like mandatory um which that was kind of an interesting moment (laughs) stretching yeah (laughs) i mean like what was it in the 60s guys were still smoking cigars in the locker room and shit i mean hell the guys in the 90s were smoking cigars in the locker room (laughs) The, the scene at the end of the last dance was michael jordan smoking a cigar and not playing a piano is one of the fucking most egregious things i've ever seen (laughs) just pounding away on a piano clearly never played it also why is it there who put a piano (laughs) what the fuck are they doing they're all drinking miller lights pounding away and he's pounding away on a piano as if he's supposed to be playing and it's just so absurd yeah the episode four um they, they they beat the lakers um at the end of their uh run and after i think just after that magic retired because of his hiv diagnosis and that was it then uh this is this also marks the beginning of michael jordan just ruining scott burrell's life for no reason why does he do this <laughs> scott so burrell funny. is stop my parents are gonna watch this and he, michael jordan then looks at the camera and goes your parents are gonna know you're an alcoholic <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck are you doing leave scott burrell alone it's bad enough that the whole documentary is just michael jordan shitting on him it's like he's soft he doesn't play defense he has a lot of potential but at the end he guess just doesn't deserve respect for that i guess i don't know i'm just surprised honestly i'm just surprised that all of his like post championship speeches aren't something like i did this even though scott burrell was over there being a piece of shit and he was getting in my way the whole time. Fuck that guy. I'm the champion. Just and that's hilarious. my Yeah, that's just how he treats Scott Burrell all the time. Like total garbage. And it seems totally unwarranted to me, but I suppose that's just how it's it goes. Really, it's not really up to us. <laughs> it's not really up to us at this point. Yeah. I honestly the only thing I can think about is he's talking about the uh like make it, he makes up the thing about good game Mike from uh, 
who's the guy? I forget. Um, and then used it as a reason to drop 50 on him the next day. And I just imagine that he has this story in his head about how Scott Burrell disrespected him one time. And so he just tore him, tore his whole life into small pieces. He ate the last everything bagel at the spread uh, <laughs> after practice one time. And everyone knows Michael Jordan loves everything bagels. They're literally the only thing he'll eat after a practice. And Scott Burrell ate the last everything bagel. And ever since then, Michael Jordan just wants to fucking kill him. You took my, you took my bagel. You took my, you took my after practice meal, which he was going to fill with, I guess, even more carbs somehow. Because I don't know, they didn't know about protein and shit in the nineties. It was very right, right. Ago. And then <laughs> you took, you took his carbs away. You took his meal away. Therefore, you took his practice away. You took his day away. And you take twenty four hours away from Michael Jordan. He'll take your whole fucking life. Yep. Well, and that's why Scott Burrell is dead now. Um, that's why Scott Burrell <laughs> is dead now. <laughs> I, get, may, uh, by the way, I did make that story up about the everything bagel. It's not in the documentary. This wasn't like me. I didn't research anything. I made that up. Yeah, but it's just it's just as well sourced as a lot of the other stuff that people said in this. So there you go. Um, then we have uh, episode five. We talk about Kobe Bryant. Um, who makes an it's his only appearance in the series um chatting a little bit about what it meant to play against Mike being his idol uh we do the uh Nike and Jordan brand thing and the dream team uh and that's that's episode 5 um yeah. this is where the we also learned, yeah we learned that nobody likes Isaiah Thomas um there's a lot of like questions though. Like there's still that's I feel like that's a very open thing like you can discuss. Like what was cuz no one's talking about why right. cuz he certainly played well enough to make the dream team. That's where yeah, the sub exists. It's it's a very well wise, thing known yeah. thing that like no one likes him. Yeah, basketball wise Isaiah Thomas deserved to be there. Um the I think one one case to be made that's outside like that's an actual basketball related thing is the dream team couldn't you had to have Carl Malone on the dream team. And if you're going to get Carl Malone, you should probably just bring John Stockton while you're at it. Um, yeah. Which like, it's not Isaiah Thomas is better than John Stockton. That's an irrefutable yeah. fact. Um, but John Stockton isn't exactly a slouch. Like, and he was the, probably the best power forward in the games preferred running partner. Um, and like the Stockton Malone pick and roll was fucking unstoppable. Yeah. I while I think a lot was being made about how Jordan and Charles Barkley didn't like Isaiah, and that was a kind of a short focus on in this episode. What I here's my here's my truther here's my truther theory <laughs> as to why I act I think he was left out. I, I think Isaiah Thomas was actually left out for the shit that he said about Larry Bird in the eighties. <laughs> oh, I think the one the the shot where he where he wasn't he was out of line, but he was not out of line. What he was saying was very truthful in the world of the way black athletes and the way white athletes are perceived. But the actual statement in itself points directly at Larry Bird and says, you're not good. 
which isn't like what I don't think he actually wanted to say, but that's like ended up being the thing. That's how he it got came called out. out for reversed racism, which is bullshit. He had to apologize, which like, LOL, why? Like that's garbage. <laughs> um, I think that's the reason he was left out. Yeah. I think they were told, I think people were still pissed off about that. I think, um, higher ups were pissed off about that i think larry was kind of annoyed at it i don't know if he was like oh yeah fuck this guy but i think i don't think he fucking helped him no i think i think larry is smart was probably like aware enough to be to see the truth in what isaiah was saying but larry bird also has the same sort of insane asshole competitive drive that jordan does and probably wasn't gonna let it go either um i think there was yeah Bird was definitely blown up a little bit, especially in like the eighties because he was um, white and dominant at basketball. Like that's, I don't think there's any getting around that as a reality, but it also doesn't change the fact that he is one of the, I don't know. He's certainly top 20 basketball player. Yeah. No, he's I don't one know of the better, one of the better players yeah. that ever lived. Yeah. There's no, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. He's yeah. one of the best, yeah. but like, yeah, I just think like, People were still mad about that. I, I yeah, I think so. I, I, that has to, and the fact that he had made so many enemies means that no one really went to bat for him, and that's yeah, really what where it comes down to is that no one was willing to go to bat for him. Yeah, no one was going to stand up for him to be like, no, we have to have Isaiah because everybody was cool with him not being there because they had personal issues. With him. Yeah, they could have they really could have made a big happened. stink and then they didn't. Like, I don't think. I don't think necessarily just Jordan being like, I don't want Isaiah is the end all be all. Cause I think Jordan would have put up with it. If like three or four guys were willing to come up to him and just be like, no, we have to have this player. Cause he's the best player. I think he would have caved and put up with it. Um, because one of the three, so, and actually that's the through lines of the documentary that they like to is that Jordan just wanted you to stand up to your, for yourself to him, like, and which is a really annoying line um, because it just makes him seem like even more bully. But um, yeah, that's a whole bully thing. It's like, oh no, mm-hmm. it's your fault. It's not my fault. Yeah, you should have just stood up for your. My bad behavior is your fault. Yeah. Actually, yeah, that's like the that's like the classic bully line, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think so. Yeah, I think that if um, you know, you get two or three, maybe four guys. Actually, probably just two or three guys who are going to stand up and be like, no, we have to have Isaiah, then Jordan would have backed off. But because Isaiah had bad relationships with multiple players on the team, no one was going to really stick their neck out. For yeah, that's that's essentially what I think it came down to is just that like it was a snub. It sucked. Uh, he deserved to be there on his own merit, but no one went to bat for him. Because he made so many enemies, his playing style didn't help. Uh, John Sally certainly doesn't. His association with John Sally <laughs> certainly didn't help things. No. Not, not, not even to pick out John Sally, but it's just like that fucking smirk. He's still happy about it. Like <laughs> He's still happy about it. Yeah, and then there's uh, Republicans Buy Sneakers too, which is just the Jordan... Uh, shrug of he's just it's him like discounting political responsibility for his cultural uh, yeah, he's, he's doing he's doing the Jordan shrug like yeah I don't really like to go too deep into that it, it yeah. sucked it's like okay it's disappointing but yeah it's he essentially Jordan shrugged his, a a person a, a a social responsibility 
Yeah. Well, his, yeah, and his thing, and they get Barack Obama up there to say that, um, like, the case is essentially that black people are not a monolith, which is a fair point. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, like, I'm not, certainly not going to impugn that. But it's also, you know, it's just, it doesn't, it really didn't come across well. And um, I don't think the defense of it really makes a lot of sense. Especially given that, like, their defense of it is basically you, like, the point, of, the basis of it is fine. Like, it's that, that, again, the idea that black people are not a monolith and that you can't expect one singular person to embody the hopes and dreams of an entire community. But that also sort of hand waves some of, some of the uh, needs of that community, which you are, in fact, a representative of. Um, I, that sounds a little contradictory, but I guess I'm just saying that there's, there's an effort to discount uh, his own responsibility t- um, based on his own responsibility. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm scared of just confused myself. I think it's like the difference between not wanting to say anything and aggressively not wanting to say anything. <laughs> You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah, or aggressively just being like, ah, no, nah, I don't fucking leave me alone. You know what I mean? That's yeah. kind of the way he came off, and that's kind of off-putting. Where instead of, you know, just simply not saying anything. Yeah. But then again, how can you avoid talking about it when everyone's... You know, it's it's a very complex situation. Yeah, but it does come across a little bit like, as opposed to just being like, I'm not, I don't have anything, like, just Jordan being like, I don't have anything to say about this. As opposed, or him like calling into a radio show to tell the radio host that he has nothing to say about this. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right. So now, episode six. This is when uh, the Jordan Sam Smith's book comes out. The first, um, the first we got to talk about the another Jordan Shrek. The John Michael Wozniak legendary Jordan Shrek. <laughs> Which is I, one of the best a, uh, animated gifts to come out of this. One of the most iconic things to actually come out of this documentary is when John Michael Wozniak, uh, one of Jordan's security guards, the guy with the the fluffy, like the big, the, the really crazy hair and the mustache, <laughs> yeah. um, takes his money in quarters. He beats Jordan, which Jordan hates so much, even though like I don't know how much money they were actually playing for. I don't think it was that much. And then does the Jordan shrug twice at the camera and it's like, oh my god, the balls on this guy. <laughs> the, gut, the guts on this guy. I don't want to equate balls to gutsiness. So I, the guts on this guy. That was misogyny. Yeah. That was sexist of me. Uh, you did, it's alright. You did your best. You utilized an archaic term in, a term in an attempt to make a point and corrected yourself, which is all any of us can ask. Um, right. But yeah, no, it's fucking awesome watching uh, this. <laughs> he looks, he looks like a uh, knockoff Albert Einstein. <laughs> and he just—he fucking like, rules, dude. Uh, so that guy cool. fucking rules. He's so funny. A glorious um, yeah. mane of destiny. Like what great hair? Yeah. Just fantastic. Jordan's secu- Is it is it weird that Jordan's best friends appear to be his security team? I mean, no. I mean, that's who I would want to trust most in the world, right? Like, that's... Yeah, that's that'd be my guy. Yeah. That'd be my... That'd be my... If I was Jordan famous, <laughs> Jordan rich, Jordan <laughs> powerful, I'd probably make sure my security people who have to be around me all the time are super chill as fuck and also good at their jobs. Yeah. That's a good and point. I think yeah. these guys were. I think all of them were super fucking cool. Yeah, he clearly had very good relationships with the security team, and they clearly too like they so that's actually like 
I don't know, any shitty things you want to say about Jordan, it's very clear that, like, the guys in his employ, like, people he paid, um, seem to genuinely like him. Um, and not just, you know, I put up with this guy because he pays me. Like, they're having a good time. Like, they're having fun. So, And uh, did you check out those Converse shoes that they were showing that were big in the 80s before the Jordan 1s came out? The ones that Larry Bird were wearing, I guess Magic were wearing them. Did, did you see that? The, yeah, the fucking All-Stars. No, 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 it wasn't. They weren't Chuck Taylors. They were like new Converse, you know, mm. pre-cons. Remember in the 90s, they were just called cons, which like yeah. was an attempt to rebrand to keep up with Nike. But uh, yeah, it was just like, oh man, it was so funny because I was like, man, those were the sneakers everyone was wearing before Jordans came out. And I'm like, I'm th- thank God I grew up in the 90s when that's what, <laughs> when Jordans were already like popular and like Nike was already popular. So I didn't have to ever cop to wearing fucking shitty Converse <laughs> shoes in True. the 80s. Michael Jordan's greatest legacy might in fact be making sneakers not suck. I know, I think so, and I don't. I don't want to shit on his basketball accomplishments because those are incredible. But like, they're amazing. I don't have Michael Jordan's basketball accomplishments on my shelf right now, but I do have a bunch of pairs of Jordans. Exactly, they're they're the most iconic sneakers ever made. They changed the fucking game. Like, you think like just to just because it's fun. Um, you think that uh. Lonzo Ball tries to release his own sneaker through his dad, if not for Michael Jordan's shoes. No, never happens. But yes. made, like, <laughs> Lonzo Ball is the big product. Of this. Yeah, like that's big, like that's the end game of like the Jordan thing is like Lonzo Ball trying to like get everyone to pay six hundred dollars for sneakers that say yeah. ZO two on them. Yeah, Un- insufferable as hell. But like he shot his shot. And the reason yeah, why he tried. shot a shot is because Michael shot a shot, and it went in. <laughs> yeah, no, it's Jordan brand is one of the most successful brands on the planet. You can't argue it. It's just a work. It's how it, that's what happened. Yep. Do you have a favorite Jordan? Oh, uh, yeah. Fours. Jordan fours. Your fours? I'm a fours I, guy, yeah. I own multiple ones, but my favorites are, I guess... Concord's 11s, which are like dad shoes now because they got re released like two years ago. So mm-hmm. I guess like a bunch of like rich people <laughs> ended up with fucking Concord's and that's what they wear. So now it's like not cool. But in my heart, yep. I still remember them as the shoes from 1996. Uh, so like, yeah, I, they're cool. They're still cool yep. to me. They still, I, that's what I think. I think about the shoes from 1996. I don't think about the re release later. But yeah. And yeah. whichever so, ones were the ones from 98. I like those two. Also for the same reason. Middle school. 98, that was probably like sevens. Maybe it's nines. They were I'm super sure. cool. Yeah, they were super they're super fucking cool. And I, um, I didn't get to buy them, but I like to look at them in magazines and shit. So my Jordan's story um is actually it's a tragedy, really. Um but I found a pair of retro fours in the Toro Bravo colorway on uh on one of those like sneakerhead exchange sites, so they were like lightly used, and this like these shoes were like retail for like five or six hundred bucks, and I found them for like two hundred, two fifty, something like that. So I ordered them because they were clear they were from a collector who had clearly like rocked them once, maybe twice, if he had even ever worn them. And uh, you I said got, these I were Toro Bravo fours. Toro Bravo fours, yeah. Okay. Oh wow. 
Okay, I'm looking at them right now on the internet. They... Aren't those aren't those dope as hell? I like those a lot. Yeah, they're really cool. Um, so I ordered them, and uh, I went out to walk the dog the day they were supposed to get delivered. Um, and uh, I got a I got a notification through my email. I was looking at my phone. It was like, oh, your uh, shoes, your package has been delivered. And um, I got back to my house 25 minutes later, and it had already been stolen. That fucking sucks, dude. Yeah, the 25 minute window between it getting delivered and me getting back from the dog, somebody stole my goddamn Jordans. <laughs> you tell me that you got to get your money back. No, uh, because it was a resale site. No refunds. And the 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 shipper takes no took no took no. Responsibility. Nah, was, for, so then the shipper went in a place where the, I mean, they were delivered. They were delivered to, to the right spot. Like they, it's just somebody fucking stole them. God damn it! Yeah, I might as well have set two hundred fifty bucks on fire. I was so like I wanted those shoes so bad. So bad. <laughs> two fifty is a lot of money, but it's also like that's a good deal. Like yeah, on like a pair of Jordans in like a not super common colorway. Yeah. I got my retro high OG double straps, which I have dirtied up because I took them to New Orleans. But I got my I got those for seventy eight dollars, and I was so happy. Oh, nice! Yeah, that's a great, that's a great deal. Just, because there were the only thirteens left on Amazon. <laughs> it was just like I think the guy who had them, the the like third party seller who was selling them, just was like, I want to get rid of these. These are are like one and a half years old at this point. They're not that cool, but to me, they're cool because I like them. And yeah. They don't have they don't have laces for some reason. I found myself <laughs> that I have an affinity for shoes without laces, and I didn't even realize it until like I'm like I'm a thirty, I'm in my thirties, and I don't wear shoes with laces. Like what actually, is, so you know what are weird. super cool are the the LeBrons from the um, from the uh, three to one comeback year, which are they're basically like ankle wraps. They're fucking dope. I had a pair for a long time, and I just wore the shit out of them because they're great. Like they're honestly great sneakers, and the ones I had weren't like flashy, so I didn't want to save them. They're just black shoes. Um, but they are like if you're not if you don't want laces, man, it's three. It's a three piece Velcro strap that's uh, and they're they look nice. Like if you get them built out right, it's just such a good feeling when you can get nice sneakers like for cheap. Like it just it just warms my heart. Oh, totally. Because, like, I could buy Concords. I just have to, you know, spend as much money as a laptop costs for them. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm just not, like, there's they, these shoes don't have Wi-Fi. I'm not going to find the can't. I can't, I can't, like, I can't, will not spend over $500 on yeah. Concords. I, I, got da- I got Dames for, like, 65 recently. There is on sale. It was pretty crazy. Those Adidas had an all-star weekend sale plus another sale. So I got to stack two big, big discounts and get them for 65. Anyway. We got, oh, that's we right. We're talking about a thing, actually. <laughs> yeah, we got sidetracked. Uh, if you can't tell, listeners, we both like shoes. Um, but yeah, so the Jordan rules comes out. Um, and it turns out that uh, Michael Jordan's kind of an asshole. Um, and there's, I guess, unnamed sort not read the Jordan rules. I don't really know what's in it other than like what people say about it. Um, but 
that uh, Sam Smith included. And everyone's like, who's leaking this information? Blah, blah, blah. And so everyone wonders who it was. And uh, Michael seems convinced it's Horace Grant. I, I feel like, I think it's shitty that that book was made. And I think that that book is kind of dumb. But also, mm-hmm. like, anyone could have fucking told that guy he were an asshole. <laughs> Like, I don't know if you're really, like, pointing the finger at guys in your locker room is so smart because it's, like, anyone within a fucking earshot of the words you say, including the camera guys who filmed you while you say terrible things, as we've seen throughout this entire series, could have just told Sam Smith that you kind of fucking suck and here's the kinds of things you say and here's what you do. Yeah. There's like, like there's a, There were a lot of people there who, like, would have had cause to interact with Sam Smith, who was a writer with access and uh, talk to a lot of these dudes. Would it oh, be really how, how <laughs> Sam Smith just didn't get the information himself from his press pass. <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe, like, I'm not defending the book. I think it's like kind of dumb. If he wanted to, if he really wanted to like get the information out, he could have just, you know, written it as a feature in the Tribune where he works. Yep where he has him, who gave him his press pass, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, you could have done that, but I'm like, okay, so it's weird. But also Jordan's dumb for being mad at everyone about it, even though he's, his asshole-ish ways, like, are legendary to the point of, like, everyone knows it, so who cares? Yeah. And so I don't, like, I don't think there were, like, honestly, I think it's fair to think there wasn't really a leak. Like, there were just, like, no. people like, God, did you hear this story about what Jordan did? Yeah, but it's the narrative. The narrative of this of this episode is is a whodunit. Yeah, um, Horace Grant is the guy who Michael thinks did it. Uh, I think Michael's wrong. Yeah, uh, Horace Grant said he didn't do it in the TV show, and he doubled down hard. When the show came out. Yeah, I feel like it, Horace Grant doesn't doesn't need to protect himself in that way. So, like, he doesn't even need to if he did do it. You know what I mean? Like, he wouldn't need to lie about it at this point. At this point, yeah. the person, if that if that person existed, the the secret like the the like the mole existed, you know, yeah, <laughs> like he could come out easily and just be like, "Ha yeah, that was me. I told him all that shit, and I got a cut of the proceeds, and it was tight." Like, but <laughs> <laughs> like he could do that, but it doesn't exist because I don't think that person exists. I just think, I just think it was pretty obvious, and Michael Jordan didn't really realize understand the magnitude of his behavior yeah i think that's correct i don't think like i think he was still sort of getting used to what it i don't want to blow him up doing this but getting used to what it meant to be michael jordan like and the sort of the gravity that he had um like there were a lot of people were very interested in him and stories were traded and like people like if he was a way then people were going to hear about it you know if you like work at a restaurant and like someone you know is kind of shitty you're you're gonna remember (laughs) work at a restaurant and and then like a a famous person comes and it's like kind of shitty you're gonna remember it Mm -hmm. when i was john madden used to come into my shop a lot because he lived in the building and then he and then like he was such a nice guy, and I remember it. So I tell everyone, John Madden's fucking great. He's he's dope. Shout out to Daily City. We're out here. Yeah. Um, so this, yeah, and then um, this is where they talk about Michael's gambling thing because that comes up a little bit in like uh, Jordan rules, and then the episode itself talks about like 
Michael likes to gamble and he does. And there's not, that's not bad. Like it's just a habit that he has, but it doesn't appear like here's the, here's the fucking thing is like, sometimes people have gambling problems. Michael Jordan does not appear to have a gambling problem. Um, because he is worth $2.1 billion now. Um, I think he's probably fine. Yeah, I think like a lot of like the attacks we're making on Michael Jordan's personality. I mean, we're not, he's, we can hardly call these attacks as much as we're just pointing out reality. I have yeah. no problems with his gambling. His no, attitude and the way he bullies people, I think that's like shitty. I think his overall demeanor is funny because he clearly doesn't give a shit and he is Michael Jordan. <laughs> so it's like funny. But like that like Connie Chung interview where she's just like kind of like oh like trying to frame him as like this like oh you you mean so much to people why are you gambling this was like oh so this is so morally wrong. It's like shut the fuck up Connie Chung. <laughs> like, just, who gives a shit? So what? Oh he gambles his money that he has lots of because he's better than anyone who ever did the thing ever. And it makes a lot of people a lot of money and he's spending his cut, which by the way, is not his deserved cut. If he makes the Chicago Bulls and the NBA billions of dollars, I think that man should be a billionaire. Not that I believe in billionaires, but if he's making the money, the guy, the laborer on the court should get it. But that's neither here nor there. We're just kind of like <laughs> mad at the guy for gambling his money. And yeah, it's like just yelling at him. Just yelling at him because this is what he wants to do. Yeah, like, and that's all. Like, this all kind of comes to a head because he was playing golf with this known hustler who, like, got murdered and like had a check with Jordan's name on it. And he said one thing in public and then had to go into court and he had to be like, "No, oh, it's a gambling debt." Which, like, fucking fine, whatever. Like, it's none of that is actually a big deal. Like, he was around a guy who was a hustler who. Got him apparently got himself shot over it, which that's sad and like not a good thing, obviously. But it's also I don't know if if you that's just a reality of his life. And that gamble, the gambling kind of segues into episode seven, uh, where they more further explore uh, MJ's gambling as like yeah, kind of pinpoint it. It's not necessarily a problem in the documentary, but the fact that everyone in the early 90s and mid-90s thinks it's a problem and wants yeah. to get out. So when Michael Jordan... So hang on. Before we pivot to the uh, sad part, I do want to say, I want to point out one scene in this, and I think it's in episode six, but I'm not sure. Um, it might be... Yeah, I think it's in episode six. Um, but there's a scene in... Um, in that where he's playing golf where he, and I think it speaks greatly to the nature of Michael Jordan, the person Um, he hits a drive and he's clearly sliced it off to the right. So he yells four. And then immediately after he says four, he goes, ah, it's way past. Which is a, a line that a lot of anyone who's played golf has heard from anyone who overestimates their abilities (laughs) on the regular. Um, And uh, right there's a brief pause right after he says, oh, that's way past him. And then someone off camera who's playing golf goes, oh, that went right in their cart. (laughs) 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 To which Michael Jordan's response is, well, I said four. (laughs) 
<laughs> and like that moment sums up Michael Jordan to me more than anything else. The Bulls win their third straight title, um, and then Mike retires. Um, and but the main thing, the actually actual thing that happens in the middle of this is that his father is murdered. Uh, James Jordan is killed probably randomly. Um, yeah. Like it seems like it was just it could have happened to literally anybody, and it just happened to him. Um, yeah, it fucking sucks. Yeah, but that's not how people looked at it because this is when uh, Jordan's gambling was really coming to the front. So people instantly started talking about his gambling and the fact that his dad was killed. Um, yeah, see, this is like stuff that was like I get—I don't know—I watched a lot of news when I was a kid at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was always super keen on like local news in the Bay Area, like the Poly Class thing, and like the Three Strikes Rule came into play after that. The OJ trial—I followed that like as closely as a like eleven-year-old can follow a news story. Um, right. I followed. I followed everything. And yet somehow it like really slipped my mind that Jordan was being targeted like this. I guess it just wasn't in my in my scope. But when this comes out, like I'm like, oh shit, I didn't even realize it because well, I guess I'm just so hypnotized as a child by the essence of Michael Jordan, you know, a living superhero who can do no wrong and wins everything and is wholesome and awesome that like I just I guess I just kind of blocked out every bad thing everyone ever said about him at the time, which is like really funny to do like that. That that happened. That the way the way that I found out about Jordan, and the way that people perceived him negatively was just later in life. Yeah. So, if, like, one of the funny things for me in watching this too was that I like again I was pretty young at the time. I was I was what was that ninety five? So I was like eight yeah. or nine years old, and um, I had s- sort of forgotten that James Jordan was murdered. Like. I knew that was true somewhere in my brain, but it wasn't something that I thought about regularly or that I really put as part of the Jordan legend. When uh, he won his first title afterwards is when I knew that his dad died. Because the, the, the crying thing. Like, that's, I think, so 96, I knew. But I didn't yeah. know when it happened. Like, I, it had never... It wasn't on my radar. Yeah. Oh, I, I kind of missed that personally, but the um, one of the thing, like one of the more like journalistic things that this documentary does, and this is the one moment when it actually operates as a documentary, is um, where it looks into that reaction and like really it was deeply unfair. And I think the reason they do a good job of being journalistic in that moment is because ob- they want to paint this as being unfair to Michael. And it really, really was. Um, there was no justification for placing his father's murder on him at all. There was no evidence of it whatsoever. Um, yeah. Actually, it's, it's an insane thing to like, think you can say about a, a about a person, and, and and yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, a person who's grieving. Yeah, it's so weird. Yeah, um, one of the things. So we were just talking about the Jordan. And um, Sam Smith was actually on the right time with Bomani Jones uh, this week. And they talk about that moment specifically. And Sam Smith actually made a very good point where he was like, look, it's not unreasonable if you're a journalist when you're at, if your editor says, you know, we've had this guy's dad was murdered and he's got this uh, 
got, you know, got this gambling issue. So go kick around and see if you can dig anything up. That's fine. And that's an entirely legitimate enterprise to get involved in. But what's not fair is to then report it without anything to substantiate it. And that's what happened is yeah, that people started reporting it as though it was, these were connected incidents and nobody had any evidence reason to think that was true. Yeah, when your senior editor says to look into something, that doesn't mean your senior editor is giving you the green light to report it, or that he's going to uh, uh, put it out there or publish anything like that. Yeah, it's nuts. It yeah. seems nuts. Yeah, like, is it, leg is it legitimate to look into a possible connection? Yes, because yeah. that's a thing that happens. Yeah, and you have job. to look into it. It's That's you what you to, do. You have to look into uncomfortable things. But you don't have to publish them. And people just went out and published this shit. And it was all speculative. Yeah, all just of it. bad, sloppy reporting. Mm -hmm. Mean. Just mean shit. Like, this is like one of the times where we're defending Michael Jordan. Because it's, it's, just, it's just a weird, a weird way to go about doing things. Right. And the other thing that came out of this is, so we're all familiar with, like, the conspiracy theory that... Um, that the uh, Jordan retirement, the first retirement, was actually a under-the-table suspension about his gambling. That's adorable and, that people think that. Yeah. And, like, one of the most convincing things in this whole show is actually the interview with David Stern, where they ask him directly, and he's and he looks right up at me, he's like, no, of course not. Like, how, like, my job was to expand the league. How stupid would I be to suspend or kick out of the league the most marketable and important figure I have at my disposal. That it's the dumbest possible thing you could do, especially in the absence of any hard evidence that there was a problem. You know? uh, yeah, there's just that. It just didn't make. It just doesn't make sense. Like people, it doesn't. It seems like a kind of conspiracy theory that would fly in the '90s when, like, people like the general NBA viewing public wasn't as savvy or just the general news knowing public <laughs> wasn't savvy because I'm sorry, have they gotten more savvy of... since then because i'm not it's... sure that they have <laughs> yes and no yes and no we have more access to information which is good because we're getting better information but we have way more access to more misinformation so we're also getting a lot of that but in a general sense i think we have a better idea of how things are at least i kind of think i do i don't know Fuck, now I'm questioning this. God damn it. <laughs> That's what I'm here for, is just to ruin everyone's day. Um, uh, like, I don't know, a, leg a legitimate, like, a legitimate investigative documentary would have spent, could have made an entire episode about just the retirement. But that's not what this episode is about. It's really about him playing baseball. Yeah, they kind of skip over the whole idea of this like weird surprise retirement from the most famous athlete in the world to just go play minor league baseball about a yeah. year and a half. I mean, I buy that he just decided to do it out of emotion because he's he's like he's the guy who just thinks he can do anything, right? Um, he, I mean, up to this point, he can do anything. Uh, yeah. He can build empires. He can be the best at his job, better than anyone that's ever done it. Yeah. He he can get away with bullying whoever he wants. He can basically do whatever he wants. He is. I don't want Michael goddamn Jordan. Yeah, but he is he is out there on a level that very few humans can be. Mm -hmm. 
and so of course in his emotion and his grieving he decided to make this move i mean not of course but it kind of it kind of makes sense that he would just do it and it had nothing to do with any kind of like shady dealing or like some kind of like weird weird move by david stern who's not a moron no he's done some moronic things not a moron no david stern is not stupid was not stupid no he Um, was not stupid um yeah no he just i yeah i i buy that jordan just wanted to go do something else and all reports of him being in the minors are that he was actually a very good teammate and these the players he was playing with really liked him um it's also uh interesting that um uh, the ownership of the White Sox was the same as the ownership of the Bulls, and they just kept paying him his Bulls salary, even though they could have paid him minor league wages, and would have made it would have made no difference to Michael at this point. Yeah, it would have made, uh, but you know, it's nice. It's nice to be in, to be the highest paid minor leaguer of all time, <laughs> right? It must be nice. Uh, yeah, he had to go straight to Double A, which is which is a weird move. Which is not what I do developmentally, e- even for Michael Jordan. I think yeah, that's, that's not how, how these ruin, things are done. That's how you ruin a prospect like a Michael Jordan. I think you want to put him in low A, not rookie ball. You want to put him no. in low because you don't want to destroy your actual prospects in rookie ball. <laughs> you want to be like, hey, annihilate these eighteen-year-olds. Fuck these guys, Michael. Also, can you bully them? Can you do that whole good old-fashioned Michael bullying on them? You no, could, like, you, you could not put Michael Jordan in a situation where he was suddenly the best player on his baseball team because now you've just destroyed your whole farms. Yeah, you have to go. You have to go low A, high A. That has to be where you start, Michael Jordan. They couldn't do it because of a really dumb reason, but it makes sense. Is because they didn't have the press facilities to handle the amount of press that was going to be there for Michael Jordan. So he had to go to double A where Michael Jordan got roasted. Mm-hmm. No, I mean like double A is where the guys who are going to the majors are like, mm-hmm. that is no fucking place to start. Yeah. No double, like double A is for the really good young kids. Cause triple A is just a pit stop. Cats. Like you go up there, you play against some older dudes and then you go to the bigs. Like that's how it works. Um, there are two big time prospects here and there, but they're not there for that long. They're yeah. on their way up. They're there for a month. Yeah. But then double yeah. A is like where where the kids develop. So you've got Michael Jordan is facing all of these twenty one, maybe nineteen to twenty four year old arms who don't mm-hmm. have control but can throw anywhere between 95 and 101 miles an hour on average with insane stuff. These are the guys that are going to become stars. These are the guys that are being groomed to become stars. You now have to hit on off of them. Um, You don't have the confidence of having hit in a low A or a high A. You don't have that. You have, you have the confidence of being Michael Jordan, which I guess is a lot. It didn't do much, but he still hit 200, which is, which is, I think he hit over the Mendoza line. Like, yeah, he had over got, the Mendoza line. Yeah, which that's honestly the number of people who could just waltz into Double A. I don't care who they are. I don't care what level of athlete they are. They're not, but they're not baseball players in any sense. Past you know high school, maybe college. I don't know. No high school. I'm just gonna say high school. 
and then you throw them in double A fucking 10 years later, the number of people who could hit 200 is extremely low. Extremely low. Extremely low. I don't... Tim Tebow actually did go through the actual, like, you know, low A, high A. He, I think Tim Tebow went to rookie ball. Um, he Tim did, Tebow yeah. did all the fucking stops, and he still sucks at double A. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He's not good at it. So, like, and he's, he's a good athlete. I mean, he's not a Michael Jordan-level athlete, but, like, he's a good athlete. He still sucks at double-A. Michael Jordan did a pretty good job, considering he had never played baseball in, like, what, like, at that point, like, over a decade. Yeah, something like that. The, the, like, the hilarious trivia part of this episode is discovering that Jordan's double-A coach was Terry Francona, um, which I didn't know that. <laughs> that was... That's one of the funniest things that I learned in this whole documentary is that Terry Francona was the manager of Michael Jordan's double A White Sox team. I kind of love that because it just adds to the amount of like talking heads in the confessionals, you know? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Just adds to the star (laughs) power. If only like, if only like a budding White Sox star were like on the team with him, like a Maglio Ordonez, you know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> we're just like yeah it was teammates with michael jordan uh he was a really nice guy one time he slapped me but you know <laughs> other than that but it, was time, it, was, it was like fine uh i mean i'm magli or adonius so i'm a superstar so i guess it worked good job on yeah. slapping me yeah there are stories about uh pickup basketball games and shit from uh, that they would play together where Michael would sort of take it easy until it seemed like he might lose, and then he would not. Against um, the kids? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Because these are 21-year-old kids. 20, 24-year-olds for the bad ones. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's, that's a mean thing to say. They're all, they're all fucking amazing if you're in double A. Yep. You're all headed for shit if you're in double A. I don't know, the, like, the uh, big highlight, well, I don't know, highlight's maybe not the right word, but sort of, like, the talking point of this whole episode is Terry Francona saying on camera that he thinks Michael Jordan would have made it to the big leagues. Um, it makes sense. Yeah. So if he hits over 200, um, over time, he would increase his on-base skills, because at first, I'd imagine he was swinging wildly at stupid shit for a great amount yeah. of those at-bats. Because he's Michael Jordan, and you already you you exude greatness, therefore you believe it. You're going to miss a lot. Um, so I imagine he would get better pitch selection and have better on base skills if he hit around 200 something. I imagine like if you give him a full year of development by year two, he's probably like a 240 hitter with a 330 on base percentage, which is good for a league average MLB player if that's the kind of numbers you're putting up at the big league. So, yeah. Well, you got to, yeah. and he was fast. Like, by all accounts, he stole a lot of bases. So, he had, there was, there was a way to incorporate him on a roster. And um, when the org wants you to come up, they'll, you're, you're going to come up regardless. Yeah. <laughs> there, like, you the will other find thing a too. way. Yeah. The other thing too is like, and I've I've made a lot of jokes about this when Tebow was in the minors, where like, oh yeah, they're definitely going to bring him up as part of uh, you know September call ups just for the asses and seats. But absolutely, Michael Jordan is getting a call up at some point. Absolutely, 
Yeah. I mean, like it's. If it weren't for the strike, man. Yeah. If it weren't for the strike, at some point, Michael Jordan steps to the plate in a Major League Baseball game. Insane to think about. Insanity. Yeah. But we don't get that reality. We get that we are in the timeline where Michael Jordan uh, is like, this strike sucks. And also, maybe I'm not good at baseball. <laughs> and goes yeah. back to the NBA. Yep. No, he, um, there's, there, so that's the, that's episode eight. And there's like a bunch of suggestion that Michael wasn't willing to cross picket lines to be a replacement player. And I, I yeah, I like, I respect it. And but do you I, believe it? Yeah, I believe it about 70%. Like, more than halfway, I think that's probably true, because he was a professional, he was part of a union, and he was, you know, like, I think he was, he's, Michael, Michael Jordan's a savvy guy. Like, he knows how all this works. And I don't, I think he's probably smart enough to know that crossing a picket line during a strike, even in a different sport, is going to play real bad for a lot of people. Um, but I also sort of believe he just wanted to go back to basketball because he he knew he could get back to the level he was at, and he almost did. Like from the jump, like he came comes back in the middle of the season and had he had one of his best playoff runs that year. He just they just didn't get anywhere because he got gassed. Like he was out of shape and shit and all of that. Not great. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was the, the weird one off where he's wearing forty five. Yeah. I was stoked when he came back. Um but back in those days, uh, believe it or not, I was a Knicks fan. Uh because Oh yeah, Patrick because Ewing, of Patrick Ewing. And I yeah. was dumb, so there's that. <laughs> I'm just like, hey, <laughs> that guy's named Patrick. I'm named Patrick. Um <laughs> Not a lot of Patricks in my neighborhood, so I thought the name was unique. Turns out, uh, if you go across America or the world, Patrick is a very common name. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do, though? Um, Luckily, I became a Lakers fan, so I don't have to worry about any of that shit. <laughs> you saved yourself. You just became a Lakers fan. In the most insufferable the second way. Most dis- Did the I second myself? most despicable sports fan. Did no, I save most. myself, or did I just <laughs> dive into a fucking flaming pit? Hey, you're the third most despicable sports fan behind the Yankees and the Cardinals. Maybe the Cubs. I'd like to think, I like sure. to think we're more insufferable than all of them. I like <laughs> to think. Have you seen all of the gifts? There's Lakers guy. There's the guy with the necklace who goes, Lakers! And he looks scary in a weird way. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're the worst. I'm like, I feel like I'm bragging, but I think we're the worst. That's neither here nor there. We're talking about episode eight. Yeah. I mean, basically, episode eight is just like the comeback. And uh, there's two highlights to it. It's BJ Armstrong um, beating them and then uh, yelling at the bench. And then Michael's, like, I'm going to take you down. And then he does. And then they lose later, which fine, whatever. Um, yeah, you pissed off Michael Jordan. Yeah, and then the other the other thing about episode eight is this is the episode where like they lose in the playoffs, and then they have this interview with his like strength trainer, who's like, "When do you like, when do you want to get back together?" And Michael's like, "I'll see you tomorrow." And everyone cries a lot um, because he was right. so committed. Yeah, it's like it's 
weird. It's the single weirdest moment in the whole show. It's just, it doesn't make any sense. I didn't write about that yeah. in the notes, but I remember watching it as it aired and just being like, what the fuck? <laughs> so he wants to be good and not bad now? Like, yeah. And like, not to, so, like, the thing is, not to, like, Jordan wants to win so much, man. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, here's the thing is, like, Jordan's dad died, you know, at this point, a few, like, 15 years ago. No, 25 years ago from us right now, right? And uh, then, and when he talks about it now, and I don't want to impugn, like, maybe he's done a lot of dealing with it and coping and grieving and whatever. And that's all gravy. And I hope that it's true. But um, that's the thing that makes him cry isn't talking about it's his father. It's talking about how bad he wanted to win basketball games. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's like, oh, man, it's like it's it's I it's admirable, but also super weird. And I think it's it's such a weird moment. I think. (laughs) It just it's just odd because this is like this is the thing that makes people emotional is like this instance where Michael Jordan tells his conditioning dude that he'll see him tomorrow and everyone just like gets all weepy. And like this is it this is the thing? This is what does it does it? I don't I don't I don't I just don't I don't I don't get it. I don't understand it, I guess. What comes with Michael Jordan worship? Um is a worship of the work ethic. And it's the same thing with Kobe Bryant when people talk about Kobe. Yeah. How it's this worship of this like infallible, hardworking, never give up, like super American. It's almost like the character Hulk Hogan, but real, but a real guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the character of the good guy wrestler who never stops working and never gives up and always and always tries his hardest and always does his best, but condensed into an actual human being who's flawed, but also like carries some of those same traits of a fictional <laughs> professional wrestler. Yeah, no, that makes Captain that makes a America, lot of sense. It's a lot of Captain America bullshit. But when people talk about Jordan and Kobe with that work ethic, they oh they I mean they always highlight the work ethic and they kind of like it it makes grown men become like children again in worshiping yeah. this this infallible work machine god yeah, it, it, all, yeah. yeah like harkens back to like old american values like during world war 2 captain america oh, i never stopped working cuz the nazis never stopped working and i want to beat the nazis blah i mean that's a good thing you should want to beat the nazis but no definitely want to beat the nazis but the uh fetish, fetishization of like yeah, the anti-labor sentiment there that yeah. is creeping up is kind of weird. Yeah, that's that's when it gets uncomfortable, and yeah, and yeah, that's one of my issues, sort of, with this uh, sort of hero worship show about Michael Jordan is like making it seem like oh, and he almost says as much. Um, I think maybe not in eight, maybe in nine or something like that, where he's essentially like, what do you, what do they know? They've never won anything. I've won everything. I've done all of this. Where yeah, no. yeah. His, like the value of a human being is specifically dictated by, uh, by that result, you know? Yeah. 
No, I wanted to. I wanted to write about that in in one like I during I forgot what episode it was, and you just pointed out it's from eight, where I was like trying to list uh, what are some of Michael's like most ridiculous flexes this entire series. That was one of them. The one where he's like, I don't know, they never want anything if they don't understand my mentality, and it's like so funny because it's like, what does winning anything mean? Like, what is yeah. What? It, how do you know? Like, what does that mean? Like, what does it actually mean? Like, in the in the grand scheme of things, is does the only people who win world championships in major sporting events understand what achieving a goal means? Is that what you're trying to say? Like, what, that's what, what it, yeah, that I think that's what it comes across as. Um, and it it's especially odd because he's sort of presents it as like, if you don't understand it, it's because you're not a winner like I am, which it isn't like. Is, so someone who gets sort of, their PhD isn't doesn't understand winning. <laughs> yeah, he's he's essentially saying like if you don't get me, it's because you're a loser. Winners get me. Winners understand me. And there's a lot of like it's a lot of people buy into that because it's, it's very similar to like as you pointed out, sort of this American dream ideal of like if you work hard, you'll succeed, which we've spent the last fifteen years learning is total fucking bullshit. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's it's just it's a very weird balance that he seems to be trying to strike of both being the hero and also selling a certain idea of like if you have my mentality, then that's greatness. But not having it is indicative of not just not greatness, but uh, failure. Yeah, it's super weird. The whole the whole that whole I. Thank you for bringing up that part of episode eight because I wanted to talk about that specific moment, but I forgot which episode it was on. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it's this one. It might be a different. Yeah, one, no, but, but sure he still here. says it, and it still happens, and we still get to yeah. talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it just it's a gross outlook that's sort of really abusive to human character. I think, and it's one of the re- it's one of the things that I don't like about Michael Jordan, like is this this mentality i don't like i don't like that uh, that mentality as it as it relates to people um valuing it so heavily because it's so stupid like when people use it against lebron james and go oh he doesn't have that mamba mentality you know what i mean which essentially harkens back to the mj thing um, he doesn't have that killer instinct. All of those things that they're saying just say the thing that Michael Jordan's saying, which is stupid, because LeBron James excels at everything. Like, LeBron James is the GOAT not because he sh- has a million of those picture-perfect um, historic moments, but because he excels in the billion other moments that don't get highlighted. Every yeah. single other moment that leads up to the big moment, he's there and never not playing at such an efficient level that it's it's fucking undeniable. He he accumulates so much greatness that it's undeniable mathematically, which is why we have to turn in narratives to say he's not good. Right. That's why you make it about, you know, something like Mamba or yeah. You know, Jordan's win at all costs, killer and like whatever it yeah. is. Yeah, that's why yeah, you have totally. to go to things. That's why you have to say things like that because the hard reality is that the accumulative greatness that LeBron James racks up, based on 
tried and true metrics, um, it, it kind of overshadows all the storytelling. Is it a better story? No. Is LeBron James ever going to be more iconic than Michael Jordan? No. But is he a better basketball player overall over the course of his career than Michael Jordan? Yeah. Yeah. A lot. Yeah, absolutely. He absolutely is. So one of the things I think about too, and this is a little bit of an aside, um, but is there's this idea that like, when the, if numbers like if your numbers in sports get too good, people sort of don't know what to do with them, so they pretend they didn't happen. Like like Steph Curry. <laughs> yeah, or like actually another good example is actually Wilt Chamberlain, who gets sold as like, oh, he was just taller and more athletic than everybody. Which one? That's something that just happens. Like that was Shaq too. You know, that's um, good too. <laughs> Um, but like that year, like there was a year where, um, what did Wilt average? 50 and a half points a game. And people don't really talk about it. Like nobody brings up that Wilt Chamberlain averaged 50 points a game. It's pretty insane. Yeah. It's, and like the suggestion is that the number, like that number is just so high that you look at it and you're like, well, that's just ridiculous. And I'm not even going to touch that shit. So we just, you just ignore it. I couldn't even There's do a that ca- in a video game. Yeah, there was a counterexample, and I'm trying to remember where I read this, because I want to give credit to the person who pointed it out, and I just don't remember. Um, but uh, there was a minor league player who hit, like, 69 home runs in a season or something like nice. that. Like, yeah, right? Just hit a bonkers number of home runs, and nobody, like, it was everyone looked at it as like, well, that's ridiculous, and they just didn't talk about it. <laughs> like, it was such a silly amount that no one really knew what to do with it, so they kind of skipped over it. And uh, Jordan's Jordan's accomplishments, as much as he wants to sell them as beyond human, are always like they seem reasonable, you know. Yeah, that what what he did was never so beyond the normal that it seems uh, like impossible. It just seemed ethereal that like that it, it was on a plane that no one could quite get to. Yeah, it's like when you combine like the incredible work ethic and um, an unprecedented uh, unprecedented talent level. Yeah, that we've never seen before. Like the dude is literally soaring through the air. Like we might see that all the time now in today's game, but back then it was like, what the fuck? He's taking off from the free throw line. <laughs> yeah, no, like these days, like you look at Michael Jordan dunks, like Darius Miles, that. Um, but... Zach Levine does Michael Jordan dunks all the time. <laughs> He doesn't win games, but he does all that yeah. too. He does what he's there to do. I think he's there to win games, so he doesn't. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm not he really doesn't sure what Zach... Zach Levine doesn't do what he's there to do. Honestly, I'm not sure what Zach Levine is for. Um... I mean, in theory, winning games. In reality, doing cool dunks. And yeah. getting... Slightly better every year. Mm, oh, he's one of those. He's the Andrew Wiggins prototype. I said better. <laughs> Theoretically, Andrew <laughs> Wiggins <laughs> gets better every 
<laughs> zoom, zoom, zoom. All right, so we have the comeback. Michael loses in the playoffs. His strength condition, his strength and conditioning coach cries because he's so dedicated to getting better. Um, <laughs> it's still still funny to me. It's not great. Etsy wears forty five for part of it, and then he goes back to wearing twenty three, and they win a basketball game. And everyone's like, twenty three is back, and that's kind of that's pretty much episode eight for you. Um, also, B J Armstrong is. Um, who BJ Armstrong is notable for being the only guy who on camera during the whole show ever says that Michael Jordan's a dick. Yeah. Uh, I thought like, it'd be Richie Miller. No, it was BJ Armstrong. It was like, yeah, he was fucking, he was a fucking asshole. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like yeah. it was fine. We won. Um, but yeah, he sucked. I didn't like being around him. Yeah. Cause Reggie Miller just says whatever he wants all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of part of Reggie Miller. That's one of his key attributes and even he at one point during this documentary is like oh you know michael jay he kind of kisses the ring a little bit and i was like kind of disappointed because it's like i watched reggie miller's other documentaries i'm like come on reggie you're kind of a prick just call him a fucking asshole say you're better than him just do it come on man like you don't believe it but just (laughs) yeah but reggie and michael are still in the business of basketball i don't think bj armstrong is like reggie's trying to get his uh commentating and like uh and I TV like career off the ground. No, he's great. I love I love him. But Reggie's in that field, and Michael's an an owner, so they need to play nice. You know what I mean? I guess that makes sense. I never actually thought about that because, like, all I remember is like Reggie Miller and like the amount of shit that he talks to Spike Lee to everybody that ever <laughs> even remotely like challenges Reggie Miller verbally. He annihilates them. Even his own sister, like the way <laughs> the way he talks about his sister, Spike. Like, but also the way she talks about him is even worse yep but yeah so I expected Reggie Miller did not get it and I was like okay well BJ Armstrong's the only dude who's like standing up Jordan well and then like Reggie brings us into episode 9 which is the 97 season where we get the flu game and uh, Reggie and Michael going head to head in like that really hardcore uh, Eastern Conference finals yeah yeah, episode nine, I think, is the best episode of the season. I agree. I think, because there's so much shit going on. There's outrageous shit. You get Reggie Miller versus Michael. You get the Utah Jazz in 97, which was an amazing, which was mm-hmm. like a crazy series. You get the flu game. Uh, Steve Kerr, weirdly. Like, that, that, shit, <laughs> situ- that, sh- that bad, uh, tragic situation gets covered there's a lot of shit there's a they cover a lot of ground in episode nine i think it's the best one it's really it's really fascinating first so starting with steve kerr like you wrote in here that like you had no idea what happened to his dad no I clue didn't either i had no, no idea clue. i had to like after that after i watched i had to like pause and then just like read about him read about malcolm kerr a little bit he was just like murdered like, by insurgents in like, in the middle east or something like that's insane it's it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. Um, but that's also an interesting moment because you would think that uh, Michael and Steve Kerr could sort of bond over what it's like to tragically lose your father. And instead, they bonded because Michael punched uh, Steve Kerr in the face. <laughs> yeah, there's that. There's that moment where Steve <laughs> Kerr gets punched in the face. And like Steve Kerr has so much reason to just shit on Michael Jordan during this documentary. 
doesn't. No, he just doesn't do it. Just chooses not to. Which, again, I, I want to sort of put some of that on the idea that these guys who are still in the business of basketball have a certain amount of incentive to keep it civil. Um, but, you yeah. know, the other, but on the other hand, like, what, is, what could Michael Jordan really do to Steve Kerr right now? So, coach of, Head coach of the Dynasty Warriors. Mm-hmm. Uh, still the Dynasty Warriors, probably. I don't know. I mean, who knows, who knows what they look like when the league comes back? They're gonna, they're gonna have fresh legs. Uh, that's I hadn't even thought about the Warriors in so long, and now I'm like, oh shit! When this thing gets back, they're gonna have the freshest fucking legs. Ugh, God, insufferable. Okay, well, anyways, <clears throat> yeah. So the other, like, the other big thing in uh, episode nine is the flu game against the Utah Jazz, which is that's their first of the two series against the Jazz. The most egregious thing that ever happened in the fucking series. Okay, maybe not the most <laughs> egregious because we just learned about the insurgent murder and then also there, the, there, there's the other murder and there's a lot of other things. But this is one of the most egregious things that ever happened in the whole fucking series. Which, like, this, this whole... So, Michael Jordan puts forward this theory that he was intentionally poisoned by a pizza hut in Park City um... Bullshit. Which, no, it's a total bullshit. Which, like, to hear this presented as fact by a dude who, at one point in the series, tells you that he just made up a slight, like, says boldly to the camera, yeah, I just invented that for my own motivation. You don't think he would also make up the fact, like, blaming a fucking Pizza Hut for the fact that he was sick? 100% he would. Absolutely. You know, like, here's the thing. Like Michael, why are you, why are you eating pizza in Utah? First and <laughs> foremost, like that's incredibly questionable. I don't, I, I don't like it. I don't, I don't think someone who <laughs> is from Chicago, <laughs> where they have very good pizza, I've heard, uh, would would be like, you know, where I want pizza, Utah. And also, like, when the fire I would argue died, Chicago pizza is a casserole, but that's neither here nor there. Well, they have good pizza in general. It doesn't have to be Chicago-style deep dish. Yeah, that's true. They've got other kinds. You know, they've, they've got a lot of options there. Um, sure. Yeah, fair point. Because um, I've heard there's a, a, a different types of Chicago-style pizza. I've been schooled on that idea because I have made the mistake of shitting on <laughs> Chicago-style pizza. And like, it's just a casserole. And they're like, well, we also do like you know different styles. And I'm like, my bad. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> Please stop yelling at me. Never, <laughs> but, never talk bad about Chicago pizza. Yeah, I don't Chicago do it. I just will... don't do it. I'm from the West Coast. Like, what pizza do I have? I don't... <laughs> I'm not in the zeitgeist. I don't get an opinion, really, if I think about it. <laughs> but I mean, out here in Seattle, our signature local food stuff is a piece of salmon, but it's served on a board. So we have Seattle-style hot dogs, which are good. I yeah, guess. what this is hot dog with uh, cream cheese on it? Fine, whatever. Let's moving on. <laughs> <laughs> it's real innovative. But anyways, like <laughs> you couldn't when five guys. Creepy dudes deliver your pizza. You're not just like, nah, I'm out. Like, why would it take five people to deliver one pizza to your hotel room, Michael? 
I don't think it would or should. And maybe I don't think should. it did either. I think that's a fucking fiction. But yeah, I do think so. But if that, let's say allegedly, that was the story. Why right. do you eat the pizza? Why don't you just yeah, be like, like yo? Can someone just go to Seven Eleven and get me some gross nachos and like some fucking gummy worms or some shit? <laughs> and I mean, like, be, please like, bring me back some. Bring me back something in a sealed package. Yeah, give me someone. Let's go to McDonald's where no one's gonna poison me allegedly. Because <laughs> oh, so essentially, what Mike Jordan is saying is that someone poisoned him. Yeah, which I don't know. I don't well, think so. Because if it was true, if someone poisoned me and I'm as powerful as Michael Jordan and famous, I'm suing someone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like I don't want you. You're fucking with my money. If in the NBA Finals, I'm going to sue you. I'm going to sue you so good. I don't know how or why. I'm well, then, like my lawyers will figure it out. They will. Sue here's somebody. my here's my other question because they don't address this. What did he eat for the rest of the time they were in Utah after that? Because that wasn't, like, the last game in Utah. It was the first one. So he was still in Utah for, like, another three or four days. So what did he eat? Yeah, maybe it was the, maybe it was the quail he ordered rare the day later <laughs> <laughs> that did the job. Maybe, like, anyone think about that? I don't know. Right. I'm just saying that it sounds like a bullshit story. Because it doesn't make sense. If, if five guys deliver your pizza and it's creepy and weird, and you do have a feeling that it's weird, then Michael Jordan wouldn't eat the pizza, and he'd send someone to Carl's Jr. Oh, totally. There's just no way. It's, it's not. I think it was still Hardee's at that point. but Yeah, well, the, Hardee's is in the Midwest and on the East Coast, I think. And then Carl's Jr. is West Coast, I believe. It's still the same company. They still do the whole thing. I thought. Maybe. I'm wrong. That sounds right. I know they're the same thing. It's just like different branding and different. Yeah. So in Utah, maybe it's Hardee's. I think it might be. It was Hardee's in Wyoming, kids. So it's probably okay. it was probably and Hardee's. It's got to be Hardee's in Utah then. Yeah. And they rebranded later on, but like it's Carl's. It's for sure Carl's Jr. now. But at the time, it would have been Hardee's. This is not important. This is not. Uh, you couldn't have a. You couldn't have Wendy's, Michael. <laughs> You couldn't get you couldn't get uh, some chicken nuggets from Wendy's. They're delicious, or at least child me remembers them as being delicious. You couldn't like just send a guy down to the local Seven Eleven and be like, "Bring me back a pizza," because they yeah. do that there, you know. Yeah, no, he he. That's at ate, least as trustworthy as Pizza Hut. He, he knowingly ate the poison. <laughs> <laughs> And then didn't sue anyone for the poison. I feel like this is, it's such a loosely like tied together story that it's just so obviously bullshit. Yeah. So here's the, so then here's the question is what was actually going on? Was he, he, just got did sick. he, he just got did sick. he have the flu? Did he have a hangover? I'm inclined to think he just had the fucking. I think, yeah, he, I think he just had either food poisoning or he was just regular sick. I don't think there was any ill intent. Like, that seems yeah, weird. Nobody intentionally got him sick. Nobody did that shit on purpose. It seems weird. Well, they, inter well, they, they, the word I'm using is they, but the person I'm talking about is Colin Cowherd, the, the monster man. He <laughs> interviewed the guy who delivered, who was in charge of delivering that pizza. And he was basically like, no, I didn't poison Michael Jordan. Wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't. They sue him? Like, of course he didn't <laughs> do it. You fucking know about it if he did. Like, 
that guy would be out of a job and probably be in jail. Yeah, I mean, I think intentionally giving someone easy. something to make them ill is like definitely against. It'd be very easy to figure that out, but uh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and then like, Mike, like apparently there are a bunch of people in the room. Mike just pizza by himself. Like no one else was allowed to have any pizza. <laughs> so. I mean, well, like, they didn't want to eat it, apparently, because it was shady <laughs> pe- poison pizza. Did Michael Jordan's people poison the pizza? Maybe. Maybe they did. It was for myth-building. It was for. It was all for myth-building. To push Michael to, like, increase his killer instinct. At some point, <laughs> Michael. At it. some yeah. point in his career, Michael Jordan was like, you know what I need to do? Get really sick and win a basketball game. It was, and that's how everyone will know who I am for sure. Right, it was a Jedi test. The other thing episode nine gives us is another appearance of Scott Burrell just being treated like absolute garbage. Yeah, um, Michael thinks he's soft, so. Yeah. Just like yelling at Scott Burrell for no reason. Poor Scott and, Burrell, man. And after um, Michael Jordan vanquishes the Pacers, uh, he shits on Larry Bird to his face, which is like. It's just... <laughs> fucking funny and it's just like well i get like this isn't manufactured at all this is just like michael jordan exerting his dominance even more even after he already has it like it's that like mentality where michael jordan is like when other people were gambling for like quarters on the bus or the plane he's like i don't want to beat you for the amount of money i want to beat you to say i have your money and that's kind of the mentality that comes into uh greeting Larry Bird after his victory over the the Larry Bird coached Pacers, he then just, I think he calls him a bitch or something. He says some shit to him. And I just, when I was writing these notes, I thought that was so egregious. I'm like, that's an insane thing to say to someone who you just sent home and is, yeah. not, and is not going to the finals. <laughs> no, I, I remember that. And I also remember like, because Bird doesn't really react to it, and I, that was no, that kind of feeds into my idea of like, yeah, they're basically the same guy. Like, they're the same person. Yeah. No, of course not. Larry Bird is like stone cold during the whole thing, just kind of chuckling, just kind of like, this is what Larry Bird expected out of this interaction. This is what Larry Bird expects out of most interactions of this magnitude. Maybe basketball was just like that. I just think it's funny. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So we get the uh, the next uh, the next and the next Bulls title, and then we're into episode ten, which is the only episode that exists only in one year. Everything else continues to do the back and forth, right? Because um, we've now I, we've now reached the it's we've gone full circle now. Nineteen ninety eight is the only time. Yeah, this is like this is the last dance. This is the the thing the whole show is about. Um, and it and it opens with a flex with it does. Uh, Michael Jordan dancing and listening to headphones on a bus. They ask him what he's listening to. It's an unreleased Kenny Lattimore cut, and he just flexes on everybody, which is tight. But it was also 1998, so a lot of people were getting a lot of unreleased cuts via Napster at the time. <laughs> Yourself and or myself included <laughs> I was downloading unreleased Blink-182 B-side, so I guess I'm just as cool as Michael Jordan in that regard. So at that time, and at any other point during my life, 
if anyone had said to me the phrase, I'm listening to the brand new Kenny Lattimore, I would have said, who's Kenny Lattimore? And I'm saying that right now. I guess, and I Google mean it. it. I don't know who Kenny Lattimore. Is. I guess you should Google who Kenny Lattimore is. Uh, a very popular '90s uh, R&B artist um, from the '90s. I just see from the '90s, specifically the yeah. '90s. I'm sure I'll ask my I'll ask my girlfriend about it later, and she'll yell at me for not knowing who Kenny Lattimore is. I'm sure. So that'll that'll be my strategy. Now I'm like, okay, well, there's got to be some like big things that Kenny Lattimore did that like you. I'm like, god damn it, no, he was always middle tier. Okay, fine. <laughs> hey, man, whatever. If Michael's got some unreleased Kenny Lattimore. I bet he got directly from him. That's cool. Yeah, good for good for him. You know, that was the story. He got it directly from him. Oh, this is also the episode in which we are. Uh, finally shown Michael Jordan's family in any capacity. Um, yeah. His yeah. oldest sons and his daughter. Um, they don't do much. They just kind of show up, say they didn't like the Utah Jazz, and then they're gone. You don't hear from them again. It's weird, because the whole time you're led to believe that Michael Jordan has no family. Has no <laughs> need for a family, or connections, or like other people. Like other than his father and his mother at times, um, but like the whole time you're you're led to believe that Michael Jordan is basketball empire robot guy. Like he's yeah, that is all he does, and then he bullies people and he shits on everyone, and yeah. he makes Scott Burrell's life hell. Yeah, he does. He does more of that in the final episode as well. Like Scott Burrell just can't get a day off. And- um, Not on the last year. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like it's the so basically episode ten is essentially just like this closeout of like they won this final thing and then Jerry Krause the villain made it all go away, but then they walk that back a little bit and they're like it was actually the owner the whole time. It's like they're trying to throw in an M Night Shyamalan twist where like the owner could have fixed it, but then he didn't. They tried to tie up a lot of loose ends. It didn't really work in that way. Um, Scotty Pippen is one of them, uh, where they're like, "Oh, Scott." Then Scotty redeems himself. Yeah, for Plays through hours the and hours. Way. Yeah, hours and hours of them saying that he's soft and selfish and greedy. Um, they're like, "Oh, he 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 played through the back injury," and they like made sure to highlight him and his suffering as he played during that final game. Right, and that's played as a weird parallel against the migraine game, where he like could, he couldn't play because of the migraine, and then he plays through the back injury. Injury, and it's supposed to, it's it's seems like it's supposed to play off of that and be like he could do it the whole time. That scrappy go getter. Yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of just bullshitty, and that's how they wanted to make Scottie Pippen redeem himself, even though he didn't have to at any point. Like, yeah. I mean, like, the only thing you can really yell at Pippen about is when they call the shot for coach and when Jordan was retired and he got pissed off and didn't go go on the court. And yeah. that's, that's, that's like, legitimately shitty, but yeah. Yeah, that, that was the only, but that's the only bad thing that Scotty really did. And I get it because a lot, like, one of the, I think the real message of a lot of this 
is that all these people are driven enormously by because um, that's I think that's absolutely what drove Michael is his pride, and I think Pippin was driven by pride as well. Um, and so that when Jordan was gone and he was gonna be the guy, that was a direct shot at his sort of ownership of the team. And I get like I understand that reaction. I really, I really do get it. I don't, I don't think it's forgivable. Well, forgivable is harsh. I don't think it was the right decision, nor do I think um, he deserves to be cut any slack for what he did. But I do understand where it came from. He should have been the guy to take the shot. He wasn't, but he also should have played ball. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, it's that's just kind of how it goes. No, and like Tony, Tony Kukoc made the shot is the other thing. Like, it was the right call. It worked. Yeah, and in the Phil Jackson offense, not it isn't always the best guy; it's the open guy. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the whole thing. That's kind of how basketball is now. So we don't turns out like novel or progressive. <laughs> we're just like, no, that's just basketball now. Like if you're open, take the shot. You're expected to make it because you're a professional mm-hmm. basketball player. But back then, a Tony Kukoc wasn't expected to make it, even though <laughs> a professional basketball player has a shot, can make it, did make it. But yeah. I've actually forgotten that like Tony Kukoc was a pretty good player. Like, yeah, no, he was, he was a legitimate starter. Um, yeah. He wasn't like starting because Pippen, Rodman, and uh, Jordan were there, and then like also you need two other guys. Like Tony Kukoc would have started on any team in the NBA. He was a good basketball. Player. Yeah, good starter. Mm-hmm. So, so, so the Bulls win. The Bulls win. Um, um, Michael didn't push off, obviously. No. I um, actually, when people say he did. It's so funny because it's like, no, he didn't. So, so the funny thing is I have operated a large chunk of my life like, oh, yeah, he pushed Byron Rodman. But it's fine. Like, who cares? Like, people got away with that shit all the time. And I've been watching. It's like, no, Byron Rodman just bit. Like, he just went way too hard. Um, yeah. And, like, did Mike put a hand on him? Yes. But he didn't push him. Yeah, if his wrist was that strong to launch him uh, several feet in the other direction just by simply <laughs> touching him, then Michael Jordan is the strongest person that ever existed. Well, I'm sure that Michael Jordan would tell you that Michael Jordan is the strongest person who ever existed, <laughs> both mentally, emotionally, and physically. But uh, no, he did not push Byron Ryan. He did not. He didn't do it. He just beat him. He just beat his man. I mean, it's the he thing did. he's done his whole career is beat his man. Why are we <laughs> arguing that he didn't do the one thing that he does all the time? Like, of course he beat him, man. Like, that's, like, and that's sort of, I don't know, for me, as a whole, like, that's the take home from all of this, is that Michael Jordan was a great fucking Arguably yeah. the best ever. Like, you can, if you want to make a case that MJ is the GOAT, you have a legitimate case and however you want to make it. Um, he's, he was as good as basketball players get. Yeah. I th- yeah. There's, I don't, I don't ever, I don't really ar- take any time to argue with people who do say Jordan is the goat because it's, it's a good claim. Mm-hmm. It, do I agree? No, but I also, it's like, well, it's so close that I don't, it doesn't really matter at this point. As long as you're not saying Larry Bird, I'm pretty okay, or Kobe Bryant, I'm pretty okay with it. 
don't know. I'm I've told you a bit about I just I've come where I think um goat arguments are a little bit dumb. Largely because over a long enough period of time enough people will reach certain heights in certain ways that they're not necess- they're equivalently impactful without being comparable. You know what I mean? No, um, I fully I fully agree with that. Yeah. But I also subscribe to the fact that there is a guy who stands out above all of them. Does it matter that much? No, not really. He just is what yeah. he is. The numbers yeah. don't lie. They have no reason to lie. There's no narrative behind it. It is what it is. LeBron accumulates the most. Therefore, he should, if that crown means anything, he should wear it. But is he the most iconic? No, and he's not really, you know, all the stuff I said earlier. Yeah. There's a whole, there's just a bunch of shit. There's a whole stuff there that it's just like, does it matter that much in the grand scheme of things? Not really. Because someone's going to come along and do it again. Right. Well, and actually, so, and that actually gets into why, because you, like, at the very start of this, you mentioned that, like, I, like, I was mad, that I'm mad at this uh, well, show. Well, maybe mad was like, kind of. Well, I think you, like, the idea that this is journalism uh, offends you. I, it does. It's what, it's what I think it, is what, whereas, like, I don't think it's journalism side. <laughs> like to him, like ah, this is garbage TV show. Yeah. Like I'm watching, I'm basically watching the Kardashians when I watch this. Yeah. Well, my problem. So and here's the th- my problem with it isn't that I think that you or really anyone else necessarily thinks it's journalism. Although no, I'm sure yeah. there are plenty of there people are a lot of people who, who do that. think it is journalism. <laughs> yeah. My issue is that it's presented as because what it cause, but because to my mind what it really is is uh, Jordan. Um, trying to Wait. argue for his place as the greatest of as the GOAT. The issue, like, is that this, it feels to me like this whole thing exists because of the greatest of all time, the GOAT argument. And Jordan doesn't want to be lost in it. Like, he wants to make sure that he's always relevant. And um, there's, you know, as, basically, essentially, as time moves on, Jordan is going to be remembered less because there's going to be less and less people watched him play and people who grew up like either watching, you know, Kobe, the Kobe Shaq Lakers or uh, watching LeBron, whatever. And he's going to sort of fade into the background. And I don't think he can really stand that. Um, so he, he needed this in order to reintegrate himself into the, uh, the goat argument like he needed to make sure he was still there because he wanted he wanted to know that the youths quote unquote um still believed that he had a legitimate claim to the um, yeah. and which fine but as far as the actual show goes why it irritates me is because it's always presented as sort of this journalistic documentary exercise isn't because Jordan himself has a hand in what's allowed to be said. Like he's a producer on this doc on this show. That he's... the last day. Yeah, and uh, St- yeah, and so Stephen Fatsis of uh, Slate actually said as much that he thinks the way this is set up is to make sure that Jordan gets the last word on every, and that's. I think particularly prescient, considering that there is absolutely no recognition indication or acknowledgement of jordan's time with wizards in uh 2001 or when yeah just 2002 2000 um 
when he came back again. Um, he tightly wasn't exact bow. Yeah, he wasn't exactly bad with the Wizards. He was fine. He had a pretty, he had a pretty good couple of seasons. He just wasn't. They weren't a playoff team. They didn't win anything, and he doesn't even want that acknowledged as part of the story of Michael Jordan. Um, he averaged about twenty a game. Yeah, and he had a couple which like, is like big deal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you he could do that as an NBA player. Yeah, no, twenty a game is like that's challenging. Like scoring twenty a game gets people talking about you pretty regularly. Um, so yeah, most, I think most scorers score twenty a game. That's a career year. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like at best, like I think at best, this is sort of nostalgia porn a bit, and um, at worst, oh, sure. it's just hero worship, which is, I think that's a little mean, even for me, but that's really what's going on here, is that Jordan's trying to reinsert himself into a modern discussion about basketball, even though he's he's the definition of a previous era. Which is fine, man. So was Bill Russell. And Bill Russell is objectively great. Yeah. I it, I, it definitely is a nostalgia trip for me. I yeah. quite enjoy a revisit to the 90s. Kind of revisit all that, but knowing what we know now is pretty fun. And it's kind of... The, the story Michael Jordan is telling isn't the exact story. And it's we not- all kind of know that. It's a ridiculous kind of version of it. It's almost like you're drunk friend retelling the story from the other night and yeah. you know that that's not exactly the truth <laughs> of what happened because you were drunk and you weren't that drunk and then like well you know but like you kind of just let him continue his version because you're like i am invested in what you think happened <laughs> like i want i want to know what you think it was that's just kind of what the michael <laughs> this michael jordan story is like what else do you think michael <laughs> <laughs> they poisoned you, huh? Cool. Everyone was against you the whole time. Got it. Yeah. Everyone sucks except for me, the Michael Jordan story. That's what they should have called this. <laughs> yeah, so sort of like sort of sort of ultimately what makes me mad. Like and what like, and I genuinely I when I say this makes me mad, I do kind of mean it now. Because this was sold to everybody because of the behind-the-scenes footage that had never been released. That uh, we were going to see a brand new side of this in the '98 season because these, you know, because of all this shit or you know whatever. Um, that these thing these that these moments that were captured on video we were going to see that would had never been available to anyone previously, right? Yeah, which that's. That could be a legitimately interesting documentary angle, but there's not that much of it in there. Like the new footage isn't very interesting in my in my mind. Like I can think of exactly two moments in the entire series that I think are worth the previously unseen hype. The first one is um, Jordan crying in the training room, which uh, the photo. Is the actual footage has never been seen before. Yeah, um, that was, and I thought that was, I thought that was really me, and it, it, I, I definitely it stuck with me, and I thought it was a really important thing to see. 
and as far as like understanding George who he was, which very little of the of the series actually does any of that, but I think that part really helped me see who Michael Jordan was and how his mind operated. And the other part is watching Dennis Rodman literally sprinting away from um, which is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Yeah. I'm trying to... What, what's my favorite thing about this documentary? I mean, I think... I think it's just the egregiousness of Michael Jordan himself. And just, like, the character of Michael Jordan. Um, becoming a regular thing every single week of this guy yeah. who's, like, his skills and ability are at mm-hmm. levels we'll never, ever see again. But also, like, his his levels of delusion are, like, season one of The Office, Michael Scott. <laughs> like, he sees yeah. himself in a way that, like, you're like, huh? Like, and, it, and it's kind of funny. And the way he sees things is, is also kind of funny. And he's, Michael Jordan is now just a character, kind of, in my zeitgeist, in my pop culture zeitgeist. And it's, it's, it's funny to me, um, because he's so ridiculous. It's just, yeah, like, because I don't, it's, ah, how do, how do I put this? It's frustrating because Jordan is so invested in making sure that we all want to how great he was at the game of basketball. And that's inarguable. Like, the same way that um, the idea that Pete Maravich was great at the game of even though no one gives a shit about Pete Maravich anymore, you know? And, like, this is, it's sort of this, um, this idea of people fighting against the pro, like the tides of time and trying to stay relevant. Yeah. And this, this is like, it's just a hype piece in order to try and fight that process off. Like Bill yeah. Russell was great. He was, he averaged 15 points and like 12 rebounds and like six blocks or whatever, for the most dominant team that ever, walked the earth in professional basketball even though they only played like seven teams but you can't argue with a decade of being the best right um yeah and the same thing like and i I talked about wilt a little bit you know like wilt chamberlain put together the greatest statistical season any single basketball player has ever had michael jordan had the greatest modern run of success that any basketball player will ever see LeBron James has been the most consistent and productive player that anyone's ever known. Um, Kobe was also here. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Kobe existed in in between, somewhere Mm -hmm. in between. Yeah, Yeah, he was was right next to Shaq. (laughs) I mean, you're definitely right that it's it's essentially him trying to refresh his, his presence trying to hit the refresh button as much as he possibly can on his empire while spring Hill entertainment is kind of taking up the space that he, uh, previously occupied specifically in not necessarily the shoe market, but in the right. movie market, um, 
LeBron James is remaking Space Jam. He already has. It's a done deal. It yeah. already happened. It's about it'll come out at some point, whenever, whenever, whenever these things come out. Um, <laughs> whenever that might be. Whenever <laughs> movies come, however movies do movies now, uh, <laughs> the, the, that'll be done. Um, like Le- LeBron James could now form. The, he he now because he has media control um, that Jordan didn't necessarily have, um, but. I guess kind of tries to have now uh, LeBron James is now controlling the narrative about LeBron James, whereas yeah. like, he can build his own legacy through his empire by telling the story of LeBron James rather than fabricating the story of LeBron James. He just, he's going to repeat it over and over and over again. And this generation millennials and Zillennials specifically are going to believe it. And I mean, there's no reason for them not to because it's mathematically true, and a lot of us are into this sort of thing. <laughs> We're into right, math. Right. It just mathematically makes sense. Therefore, we believe it. They're saying it a bunch. Uh, it's going to be a reality that LeBron is considered the goat, and a lot of people are raging against it. Yeah. Well, and there's also like it's also worth noting that like that's just the guy who, when we really started to come into the world, that was the best player, and. There's a whole, like, there's a different generation where for them, it, but then before that, there's a generation that was magic. There's a generation that was Kareem, and well, those guys, those guys, over, but you know what I'm saying? Like, there's just these, you can't, you can't get away from the fact that, like, there's, when, as you sort of come into the game and start to see greatness in front of you, that you, and you, subscribe to it in a specific you know like the guy that you can see might always seem better than the guy you can't you know what i mean yeah no for sure and the guy who represents your generation is the guy you're gonna feel is the best which is why most of the talking heads at espn not because they are contractually obligated to support the last dance which they are um (laughs) But a lot of the guys at ESPN, a lot of the ex-players who grew up watching Jordan, who played maybe during the tail end of his career, who are now talking heads, who now c- control the narrative, they're kind of just supporting this Jordan narrative. Oh, he's the GOAT. Um, Richard Jefferson had a spiel this morning. Yeah. Or the other, this week, about, uh, like, where he was, he, he referred to um, this generation of basketball players as the everyone gets a trophy generation, which is hilarious. It's just, he, they're just regurgitating like Republican old man shit, which is like <laughs> so funny <laughs> and just such nonsense. But like, th- this is, they're just backing up their generation and you know, it'll, it'll eventually, I guess, fade out. But Jordan is pushing the refresh button on his, on his social and, impact presence on society and that's what this is he's like hey remember me yeah no like so when i got done watching this like the main question that i wanted to ask myself why does this exist and i like it's in the notes like i don't mean that to be demeaning like i'm not trying to be snide i'm not sarcastic like genuinely why does this exist and i've talked a lot about that already but really, it's what it comes down to is I get why this exists is for people like just to hype up Michael Jordan, people who maybe don't quite remember 
say Michael be remembered. But that's not what's interesting. That's not what's like interesting to people about seeing a Michael Jordan documentary. And I just wish, I wish that we had been given something that was sort of a middle ground and this, where we could get an actual honest portrait of Michael Jordan. Like if, if there's a way to, if there, if there's even a way to, um, and I'm not sure there is because he's controlled his presence so carefully for his entire career. I don't know if we'll ever see anything like that until after he's, yeah. because there's just no way to do it. But I really wish we could have seen a picture of Michael Jordan, a human being, and been able to contrast that with Michael Jordan. Because a basketball player is one of the two best people to ever play basketball. Yeah. The, like, best, the put, best score that ever existed also. like Absolutely. The most iconic basketball player. The guy who you think of when you think of basketball. The There's most no doubt that he is player. the guy. He is that guy. Yeah. 100%. He is. 100%. And like, I don't need, I don't know. what It doesn't interest me to just have that point, like, hammered at me again. I want to know, I want to know about Michael, like, what's wrong with Michael Jordan, too. And I don't mean that in, like, I need to know his problem. Like, wine of his wife or something. Um, but, yeah, there's just no, there's no exploration of who he is. Like, his kids, like I said early, like, and his kids show up randomly in episode 10, say, like, oh, yeah, we didn't like Utah, and then they vanish. Like, what about, what is it like to be Michael Jordan's kid? Especially his sons playing basketball. You're Michael Jordan's sons. And I remember hearing about growing up. You know, Michael Jordan's sons are coming into high school. Oh, they're going to go to college. And then they're, like, not good. So everyone was like, ah, fuck them. And, like, that's gotta, there's gotta be something interesting there, but Michael's not willing to share it, and that dehumanizes him to me. No, I, I, I agree with that uh, completely. I think Ken Burns was right when Ken Burns decided to, to dive in. I think, um, I think NBA Desktop made fun of him because Ken Burns does Civil War documentaries and baseball shit and like corny stuff. But I ultimately think Ken Burns is right uh, that this isn't a documentary, this isn't good. Yeah, uh, if you're looking not. at journalism, it's not good. Like, I don't, I don't think of this as like good. I think of this as like entertainment. I think of it as nonsense. I'm watching fucking Tiger King essentially. Yeah, I when think, I watch The Last Dance, I'm watching Tiger King. Yeah, it's it's entertainment at best, and like, the, you know, who, like I feel bad for Scott Burrell, <laughs> um, and I feel bad for. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks that like him bull him being bullied is such a huge part of this. And no one says anything. No one's like, yeah. uh, that was bad, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, everyone's just like, haha, Scott Burrell sucks. It's like, what? <laughs> Why are you doing this to me? Leave him alone. What did he do to anyone? <laughs> it's that shit's between him and his wife. Damn you. <laughs> Poor Scott Burrell. And then, yeah, I think Scottie Pippen got the short end on a lot of this. Yeah, but if anyone can read in between the lines, they know exactly. Like, Scott, Scottie Pippen, awesome dude. 
uh, faced a lot of adversity. Just cool, cool, chill fucking guy. Level-headed as fuck. Just tight. I li- like It made me like Scottie Pippen more. Despite how they framed him, made me like Scottie Pippen more. One of, so this is sort of a weird thing, but I've heard stories that Jordan was so competitive with everybody, he was always convinced that not only could he beat anybody on the back, he could do etc cetera, etc cetera. but he had to have like the biggest hands feet and penis as well and just kept losing those arguments to scotty pippen <laughs> <laughs> like because it's not you can't like you can't like okay i'm gonna make my body parts grow now and like there's yeah. no like food you can eat to be like oh this increases my body part length or girth whatever <laughs> body part you were deciding to grow that that doesn't exist it makes sense that michael jordan would lose that and be mad about it yeah and then like keep trying to win later as though he could somehow increase hands or penis as if maybe like he was like drugging scott <laughs> in certain ways i don't know how he would do it. like i don't understand how this would work but yeah just like hurling ice water at Scotty. Like, let's compare penises. I didn't, I've never heard this before, but I choose to believe you. (laughs) Because it's funny. It's just too funny not to believe. I forget where I got it, but I've heard it like, I feel like I've read it multiple places that like, Mike was just like, Michael Jordan is so competitive. He had to win at everything. And this was just one of the things he wanted to win at ridiculous a, ri- <laughs> a ridiculous and i think like noteworthy piece of media that has consumed us for the last um five weeks um thank, thank, I'm glad god, it's here. thank god that this exists in this time <laughs> i'm glad it's here it's is it uh is it good yeah i mean it's entertaining yeah we have different ideas of what good is <laughs> you and me <laughs> You're like, no, because it's not good journalism. True, I believe you. It's not good journalism. Me, I'm like, like, yeah, because it entertained me, and it was garbage, and I love garbage. Well, like, so so we've always, we've compared this to Tiger King all the time, right? And Tiger King, (laughs) terrible journalism. Like, really not good journalism. But it was very good. Does it say it's journalism? What's that? Does it say it's journalism? No. Thank God. Thank God. (laughs) Nor does it pretend to be. My issue with this isn't that it's not good. It is good. Um, it just sells itself as something that it isn't, you know? Oh, The Last Dance definitely lies. It's definitely yeah. like, hey, I'm a 30 for 30 documentary, but there's no 30 for 30 here. And also none of the people who do 30 for 30s are involved in this. But it's like one from the same network that does those. Yeah. And then it's yeah. not that at all. It's just bullshit. It's just not even remotely. I mean, it, it just hits you. The first second you watch it, they're shitting on the guy for being short and fat and incompetent. And it's like, and he's not any, I mean, he, he like, what, it doesn't matter what he looks like, but he's not incompetent. And no, the second they do that, it sends this message to me. I am now watching garbage TV. Yeah. I am not watching um, a documentary. I'm not getting something I'm going to learn anything from. I'm just watching garbage television. Yeah, there's nothing. There's, yeah, there's just nothing. Like, and I, yeah, I guess what I'll leave it with is like, 
I really wanted to see a real investigation of um, Jordan and like what um, what it takes to like sort of be the sort of person that Jordan was and to and like the sort what he left in his wake. We'll never but get it. We're never gonna get that. It'll, it'll and, never exist. We'll get a LeBron one. Mm-hmm. And it'll be like, and the thing is, like, I would also what it's like to be around LeBron. He seems like a much nicer person, but I can't imagine he's easy either. You know, um, I don't think any of these guys are. There will be one time. Honest- one time, I just want an honest exploration of the great athletes. You know, and yeah. we're never. I don't think we're ever going to get. We might get it about Mike Trout, because Mike Trout is boring as shit. <laughs> yeah, what does honest about Mike Trout mean? Honest about Mike Trout is like, um, I went to Fangraphs and looked at his wins above replacement. Pretty fucking good, fam. And then that's it. That's the end of it. I can do the Mike Trout. <laughs> right now. So he's like got a really big neck that comes from doing really good upper body workouts. Uh, he hits the ball real good. And let's go to his Fangraphs. Yeah, he's, he's fucking good. Okay, roll the credits, uh, MLB, send my check, please. But yeah. but I think I think we'll get a LeBron doc, uh, not in the near future, in the later future. That is, because yeah. I just, I think with everything that LeBron, LeBron, he's never got to hide from his problems. I sound like such a LeBron stand during this entire thing. But I guess I am one. I guess I have to own it. Like, <laughs> I mean, you kind of are a little bit. It's I fine. like LeBron like, no one a lot. You. Uh, I get disappointed when he says stupid shit about Hong Kong and China. Uh, I do criticize LeBron when it's necessary. But I think that he's going to get an honest duck because his whole career has not been being coddled. It's been shat on the whole time. Because he's what he does... a lot more. Yeah, because the things that LeBron does don't show up, like in in a highlight. While he does do lots of great things that do show up on highlights, his main strength comes from passing, playmaking, and doing all these little things. Like that, that's not sexy. Uh, Sports no. Illustrated has a hard time putting a pass on a cover, whereas a dunk, a shot, beating your man one on one in ISO. Um, Invent not inventing but perfecting the the post fadeaway like that that's picturesque like of course you don't Jordan get a t- to, yeah of course Jordan gets to be on all the things so you don't you get, get a teammate see, grade yeah. you get a teammate grade boost in two K from making a jump shot but not from throwing a perfect chest pass yeah 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 LeBron just he does think the things that LeBron does best aren't aren't looked at as sexy or something you can like make a highlight reel out of like him setting screens is not necessarily looked at as like great. The fact that he, he can guard a big in the post is not thought of as like great, even though it's, it's, it helps his team win games more than, more than a lot of other things do. So I think he'll get an honest doc because he's used to it. You know what I mean? I think he'd be more yeah. open to the criticism, and also he's an, he's kind of an open book. I mean, what has there been a scandal around LeBron James? Uh, the Mia Khalifa uh, Instagram DM 
uh, probably a problem. But <laughs> but other than that, I don't think there's a scandal. Do you, can you think? Of I a mean, outside, outside. I mean, the worst thing. The worst thing that ever happened to LeBron James is someone convinced him that ESPN decision special was uh, was a good idea. <laughs> oh right, of course that was. <laughs> he's, but he fucking got punished for that. Like oh horribly for years and years and years. It's like of course that was a bad idea, but he got like destroyed for it. But there's no like there's no like LeBron James on on Hong Kong bad got annihilated for it. Yeah, like his own fans didn't like it. Like you know what I mean? Um, I guess there is the the Mia Khalifa thing. Like it was, apparently he 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 tried to slide into her DMs and she was like, "No, you're married, bro," and that was that. But that's <laughs> that's embarrassing. That would probably be left off the dock. But who knows? I, I mean, think I think LeBron James in in fifteen years would would welcome this do- a, a very a very open full full disclosure documentary. I would hope so. That would really cement my opinion of like my favorite basketball player ever. Just just ahead of Chauncey Billups. Um. Um, did you watch the Game of Zones uh, finale? No, I haven't. I don't know what to tell you. Not, I don't want to spoil it for you. It's it's a lot of fun. All right. We'll check it out. All right. On that note, I guess we should probably call it quits on this, what, two and a half hour episode? I'm not done yet, actually. Um, oh, I have a shit. question to ask you. Sure. Who deserves a 10-hour doc, athlete-wise? I'm not done yet. Uh, I'm still going. Man. I didn't. There's a lot I left out of the notes that I was gonna. You brought this up this week, and I'm like, "Oh, cool. We'll just. I'm just gonna go for it." Right. Oh man, who deserves a 10 hour documentary? I got sports. left out of the notes. <laughs> Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods is a great fucking answer. <laughs> like I don't. You, like could, it. you have to take up 10 hours too. Like you yeah, 10 like, part like, episodes. Tiger, like, like who deserves 10 hours? Tiger Woods, 100%. Um, Who else? Maybe A-Rod. In my opinion, it's Bonds. Bonds is a good answer. But it has to be full disclosure. If it's not full disclosure, you've got a three-hour documentary. If it's full disclosure, you've got 10, 20 hours. Because with but Barry Bonds, you get to start with Willie Mays and Bobby Bonds. You get to start with racism in baseball. You get to start with all this stuff and then build up to Barry Bonds in college, him pissing off his teammates at, at ASU, um, him then going to the Pirates once again, feuding with his manager, feuding with Bobby Bonilla. Like, and then you get to go on to the Giants, then you get to go on to his failures with the Giants, and you get to go on with his steroid use. You get, oh my God, there's <laughs> so much more. Yeah. So, like, my assumption, so, my assumption on this question is that these have to be fully honest, fully exploratory docs. Yeah, right? otherwise, like, it's I'm not, I'm, not interest, Which, I'm not interested in a George piece about no, people. we don't otherwise, want the Tiger Woods thing is like, I won a bunch of golf and also liked me, but that was fine, and now everything's great. <laughs> Like I lost a lot of money for no reason. <laughs> and I won't tell you why, because no. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, like, but Tiger Tiger Woods, for sure. I actually think a Kobe doc would be really A Kobe doc would be insane. Yeah, I would watch yeah. that. 
I would watch the hell out of a documentary, especially especially one that's just like one that's going to be real. You know what I mean? Yeah, pulls no punches. You got to talk about Colorado. You got to talk about the girl he raped in Colorado and how he like somehow blocked that out of his mind and just became like built himself into a good person in his brain. You know? Yeah. Because yeah, like how does how does a person go from um doing what he did in that time to now after his death being considered a feminist icon roundaboutly? Um, how do we get there? Yeah. Uh, do, well, and like, like and especially like the women. Like, how the fuck do you get there? That doesn't. Yeah, make and like, me. I w- I really I would love to hear from some of the women in basketball who have st- like stood up for him and stood like really stood by him even when those criticisms are criticisms are leveled. Like, why? What did he do? Like, what did? He, why did he feel that? Why do you feel that way about? Him? Even knowing this, is it that you don't believe it, or is it that he really? figured out a way to move past it and i think that's that seems fascinating to me to find out the answer to that question that's a lot of questions yeah. i've unfollowed so many people on twitter the last five months because they don't seem to be concerned with these types of questions yeah i mean like you can't not be i don't know it's fucked up it's fucked up like like you know you look at tiger like was running around with fucking like everybody on the fuck on the goddamn planet behind his wife who was a legitimate Swedish super um which I don't think like is anyone's business like no it was not but it's a but it's a thing that happened yeah it is what it is is. like we don't need to talk about how bad it is to have relationship issues everyone's been there everyone's had relationship issues um or you know things happen but like the fallout is something that needs to be talked about yeah. um like why he lost all this money like what people were invested in why this happened like well, what did he think as this whole shit was going down because it's unfair because it's essentially just personal issues that people are taking a financial investment in and taking away money from his pockets yeah, destroying his reputation, but also what he did wasn't great. But also, is it our business? We don't like. No, not really. The whole no, thing none of our business. That's why all. it would be such a great documentary because it's none of our business. But I want to know about the fallout regarding the thing that was none of our business. Oh, dude, for sure. Like I don't know. So yeah, Woods Bonds, um, Woods Bonds. So that actually, so that's golf and baseball. Jordan Kobe for basketball. Um, there's gotta be someone out there that's got like what about Vince Young Vince Young would be an interesting yeah he had a weird he he, he had a weird arc he had a weird arc yeah for sure open open very very big arc <laughs> very high <laughs> the highs were high with Vince Young and the lows were fucking crazy I think I, I'd watch a Vince Young doc Given his uh, family issues in in the ideal world where this is all open and honest, th- that documentary was very, very interesting. There's a current documentary by someone that I really like, John Boyce in Dorktown, uh, the Seattle Mariners mm-hmm. documentary. Yeah, I uh, watched the, the first two episodes and then I kind of lost it. But. 
<laughs> it's hard to it's hard to stare at graphs for that long and be entertained. Yeah. But it's it's great. I think it's great. I I I thought that the that Six Stadium where the Seattle Pilots played was near the Lowe's where I bought my dishwasher one time, but then I learned that it's, it's exactly right at the Lowe's where I bought my dishwasher <laughs> that one time. That's the lot. That's where it is. Because there's know, actually a extremely cool Pilots piece. Yeah, you do. Yeah. But there's there's actually a sign in the corner of that block that says, here's where Six Stadium was. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I guess it was around this area. No, they weren't lying to me. This is where it was, this exact spot. No, exactly right there. Yeah, the Seattle Mariners documentary is kind of cool. Um, but that's more about ineptitude. Like weird ineptitude. Can you hear me? Yep. All right, perfect. I was just about to go into the um, best movies that Amy Adams has been in, but now (laughs) now I don't have to. (laughs) I was like, oh, I'm going to open up her IMDb and go to town, and then you came back. And I was like, ah, fuck, okay. I guess it's for this, actually. I didn't mean to ruin your spiel. No, it's it's, it's good that this happened. (laughs) Um, yeah, so so let's see. We got Woods, Bonds, um, and Kobe would be fascinating, like ten hour pieces. I don't like it's hard I'm to, to do think ten of, hours because it's like you have, if you're monumental, it still doesn't fill ten hours. Mm-mm. I'm trying to think if there's a hockey player, like maybe maybe Bobby Orr, but I don't know much about Bobby Orr, so I don't know what there is to say. I mean, you, could do, you could do 10 hours on Gretzky. I don't know if it'd be entertaining. I don't think it would be that interesting, to be honest. Like, there just wouldn't... I, don't, I just don't feel like there'd be that much to it in the end. Um, no, like, I guess as far as, uh, as far as The Last Dance goes, I'm glad it gave me something to watch and something to care about as far as sports go. But... I don't, it didn't make me desperately need them back by any degree. Yeah, my life without sports is fine. Not that I don't like sports any less. I'm just like, they'll come back. And when they do, I'll be fine. And without them, I'm also fine. They'll be here when they get there. And I watch sports all the time. And I'm like, "Eh, eh, I'm fine. It figured. So I finally got my YouTube TV working again in the middle of a fucking pandemic. Nothing allowed to happen. Yeah, I guess you can watch um, Top Chef is going right now. <laughs> I don't want baseball to come back anytime soon. It just doesn't. It just doesn't. It's just not worth it. Season ticket holder here. I don't need baseball. I don't want it. It's good. I'm good. I'm actually fine. I'm actually fine right now. I'd rather I'd rather people not die because we're 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 impatient. I agree. All right. Well, that, this has been all sports are bad telling you that the last dance was bad. Bad and good. Bad, but bad, but good. But bad, but good. Yeah. It was a lot of things. It just didn't seem particularly interested in any of them. In reality, 
it was half interested in reality. The realities that were like fun for Michael Jordan. Yeah. It was interested in convenient realities. Yeah, convenient realities. <laughs> you know, like the ones Republicans like. <laughs> hey, they buy sneakers too. No, they don't. <laughs> no Republican has the drip. Show me one. Name one. You can't. No one can do it. Fuck out of here. Uh, with that, this is all sports are bad. <laughs> no Republican has the drip. That is what we're ending this podcast with. If you're a Republican, you're out here relaxed, bootcut jeans, looking like looking like fucking Papa John. Yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm done. But um, is there any like for real hype tracks? Uh, Scab Spin is bad. They're garbage. Um, who else is bad? Who else? Who else gets dragged? Scab Spin is bad. <laughs> Don't read it. You sound like a robot right now, and it's awesome. But I can't hear you. But it's awesome. Oh, I couldn't. I couldn't hear you at all. We're gonna end this one. We're gonna end this one on some robot talk. Because you sound like a synthesizer right now, which sounds very cool, but I have no idea what you're saying. And neither does anyone listening right now, which is, this is all sports are bad. Thank you for listening to our very special episode. This is the first episode in 17 years. Um, I'm now in my 50s, I guess. I don't know how math works. Jake is now a robot. That's how long time has passed. He's He is one of the AIs from the movie Her. He is not the AI from the movie Her. Just one, um, of he is one of the AIs from the movie <laughs> Her and How. He is from the future. That's how much time has passed. That's how much, how many things have happened since we last podcasted. Thank you for listening. Um, I am sorry to Scott Burrell. <laughs> I'm yeah, Scott Burrell really got the short end. See, I heard Poor that. Guy. See, we heard that. <laughs> See. I think I'm back. I'm back where uh, my data works. That's there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Why he back? He's back to sound like a robot. So, bye, internet. Have fun. Um, be safe. Um, Republicans have no drip. <laughs> Bye. Bye. How do you get Craig to stop recording? I don't know. Craig, stop recording.